Hello, my name's Sylvester McCoy. I played Doctor Who. <laughs> Number seven. Yes, a long time ago. Anyway, you're listening to Neil. No, you're not. Listen to me. Anyway, you might be soon listening to Neil. Podding. Whatever that is. Neil Before Blog presents... Neil Before Pod. Welcome to another epic edition of Neil Before Pod, the podcast that mostly survived the snap. I'm your host Craig and I'm assembling a team to talk about the highly anticipated follow-up to the cliffhanger in last year's Avengers Infinity War. It is of course none other than Avengers Endgame. This is a long podcast, even by our standards, but I'm sure you'll agree there's lots to get through, so strap in and prepare for our usual brand of detailed discussion. So, I've rounded up some survivors from the uh, the cataclysm that's rocked the universe, so, Andrew, congratulations, you survived. Thank you. Uh, now uh, uh, I just need, need to wash all, all, all the blood and, blood and dust from me. Pretty pretty sure I, I got, got some tutorial in, in between my teeth. <laughs> there's, uh, there's so much hoovering to do. It's unreal. Uh, <laughs> Angus, well done, you lived. Mr. Mackenzie, I feel so good. <laughs> Natalie, you also survived. Huzzah! And Kat, you're also alive, well done. Somehow, that Somehow. has happened. <laughs> and Isaac, you're also alive. We're going to keep me back in. So, we survived the snap, so that's all good. Or is it good? Who knows? Maybe we'd be better off dead. I guess that's what we're here to discuss. <laughs> right, first of all, uh, we should share our thoughts without spoiling. Um, Spoilers are a very important topic where Avengers Endgame is concerned, so... Andrew, kick us off. What did you think of Avengers Endgame? It was absolutely spectacular. Yeah, I felt like pretty, pretty much like every single minute of the film was utterly riveting. Was, yeah, and it was, the whole thing was meticulously put, put together, and I honestly couldn't, couldn't have asked for a better ending for the saga. Angus, what did you think? I think it was a crazy, incredible achievement to be able to sum up that many movies, that many years worth of story. Um, and like I said, in the initial reactions, I just felt like it was a, like a greatest hit show. We got to see so much of the MCU, all the films leading up to, to Endgame. And yeah, it was, it was the perfect ending. Cool. Natalie. Wakanda forever. Okay. Is that, is that is that your spoiler? <laughs> I, really, I didn't really know what I was going to say. No, I I enjoyed it. I want to go and see it again though because I think with the only time that I've seen it being the midnight showing, uh, I was so tired by the end of it. 
tired just thinking about it. <laughs> but when it got to like towards the end, I was a bit kind of like, when will this end? <laughs> and I feel like if I went to see it now, you know, probably might not feel like that. So um, I want to see it again. Quite enjoyed it. Um, had some amazing moments where I was like, yes. So um, can't wait to discuss that later on. Kat, what did you think? I was disappointed. Uh, I didn't like it. I <laughs> um, I felt it was too long, and a lot of moments were dragged out for absolutely no reason. Um, we were robbed of a lot of emotional payoff, I feel, and I'll get to that later. Um, yes, it was spectacular, but also a lot of it didn't make sense uh, especially in the context of previous films, it somehow felt like they were disregarding a lot of canon for the sake of either humor or, you know, just like a momentary, like cool moment. Uh, but then if you start digging deeper, it just doesn't gel very well. Um, and I, I suppose I had different expectations and they weren't met. And now I'm just left swimming in a sea of, of lukewarm tears. So there's that. <laughs> That's very sad. Wow. Yeah, well, we'll yeah get, it is. We'll lukewarm. Lukewarm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, just like not warm, but also not cold. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, the worst. That is, that is the very yeah. definition of lukewarm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Isaac, what were your thoughts? Endgame was... It shouldn't have really worked as a film when you think about it, but it, it did. It's it's like, I know, the more I think about it, there are kind of a lot of, not so much problems, but <laughs> there are a bit, there's a lot of sort of shortcuts, and yeah, there's a lot of sort of characters that didn't really get. I suppose you can't get, well, I suppose we'll go into it, but when your film's got like a billion characters in it, not every one of them's going to get uh, a full go. But like overall, it was probably the best of the Avengers, like the Avengers, you know, collective movies. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was, a, it was a, it was a fun, fun film. Cool. Well, I don't know what all you guys are talking about, but you know, I was really disappointed. We waited seven years for Voyager to get home, and that's all we got. <laughs> it's a, oh, is that a Star movie. Trek joke? It is a Star. I think so. I was, I was getting really confused there because I was like, the last episode of Voyager was also called Endgame. Um, Only because like you legit just called this great. No, I, I loved it. Uh, I've seen it three times, and yes, there's nitpicks, although they don't necessarily bother me that much. That opinion may change after we've spent the next however long discussing those nitpicks. But uh, yeah, I loved it. Um, it was a satisfying payoff as far as I was concerned, and. Uh, yeah, I couldn't imagine them pulling it off any better than this. Um, I mean, obviously it's not an ending because there's a Spider-Man film that's a couple of months away uh, with a new trailer. It's out today, actually, as we record. So it's an ending, but not an ending. And yeah, I thought it was great. I think that's all about all we can say without spoiling, isn't it? Uh, everything's a spoiler where this film's concerned. Absolutely everything. So, with that, shall we launch into the spoiler section? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, let's. Let's do it. Avengers Assemble! Okay, first up, (laughs) uh, I wanted to play back a little exercise that we did 
well, those of us that were at the Edinburgh Midnight Screening um, before the film started, where we just did our top three predictions. Hello. Uh, so my top three predictions are Hawkeye is definitely going to die. Who's in, in the trailer so much, so that's a, a sure sign that he's dead. Um, I'll probably try and keep this bread going. I've got some bread. It's not related, so I'm going to count that as a bonus prediction. Um, there's probably some element from Infinity War that wasn't true, or we weren't shown the proper version of, so it's going to be like a, a twist to like, you know, our maybe reality isn't as we've seen it. So there's going to be some sort of long game being planned out. And... Um, Everybody will have a great time. It's not about winning or losing, but it's about the Avenger friends you make along the way. Okay, my three, my top three predictions. Uh, Captain Marvel appears, pisses everyone off, and then they have really great banter, and they'll still find things funny, even though everyone pretty much is dead. Number two... Everyone will come back from the dead, but not Loki, although they could bring him back. And number three, that they start a new universe and a new timeline, and all of this has been for nothing. Top three predictions! My top three predictions are Cap will die and his sacrifice will save the universe. Uh, I think Thor will survive, but he will be forever changed by whatever it is he has to do. And not everyone will come back. There will be some casualties. Mods on Reddit were banning memes about Ant-Man and uh, Thanos' uh, you-know-what, so that's my top prediction. Uh, prediction 2, Wolverine. <laughs> uh, prediction 3... Uh, Emperor Palpatine, there you go. We will see Spider-Man by the end of this, and he won't be completely dusted. Safe. Safe choice, there we go, I've got agreement there. Um, We will hear the Avengers theme at some point played very dramatically. Uh, Number three. There will be very long credits. Like, the longest of credits. Like, I think the third hour of this film is essentially credits. Those are my predictions. I'm very tired. Okay, so that was that. Natalie got basically every one of them. Uh, Chris got all of the safe ones correct. (laughs) Chris is really like the best. It's so true, the credits are fucking giant. (laughs) (laughs) So, what do we make of... um... Of those? Well, I got uh, one right. All of them wrong? <laughs> well, I got one right. I said that Thor would survive, but would be changed. Yeah. He's not, like, a key to it all, I guess. You know? Captain America no, doesn't die. He's severely underused. <laughs> um, yeah, Chris got all his right because they were the safest ones. <laughs> uh, Angus, you're... Emperor Palpatine <laughs> prediction did not come true. I'm, I'm frankly, I'm disappointed. <laughs> Isaac, did you keep your bread going? I did, yes. 
I go. forgot about the bread, and I was like, oh, yes, got one prediction correct. I know. That <laughs> <laughs> was so good. Your assurance that Hawkeye <laughs> would die. Nah, not so much. I was so sure he was going to die. Everyone um, everyone always assumes Hawkeye would, would die, and he never does. I believed Isaac as well, because I was like, whoa, if Isaac thinks he's going to die, then that probably is true. <laughs> Don't know why. Just thought that you guys like knew. <laughs> if the person who's the least truth. invested in Marvel on the podcast thinks this one guy's gonna die, he's probably he's, he's probably wrong. <laughs> I just honestly, I was like, oh well, if Isaac's heard this, then that definitely has to be the case. Turns out Isaac was one of the directors, but they cut his scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so I just thought it'd be a fun exercise. Uh, I didn't know what kind of discussion we'd get out of it, but. Um, there it was. Uh, so do I win? You win, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I suppose you do. Nice. Or you're like joint first with Chris. Who did Mate. play a safety, to be fair? Yeah, but to be fair, I think that my predictions... Yeah, I think you get points good. for risk. Yeah. Yes, thanks, like plus five. Yeah, let's call you the winner then, that's fine. So Thank you. Fine. I'll take it. Congratulations. Thank well you. Done. Thank you. <laughs> It's a, it's a momentous day, so it is. You'll validate me. You should. Okay, so shall we move on to our Q&A section, which is probably going to take mm. up pretty much the rest of the podcast. We actually have so sure. many questions, it's really amazing. I'm grateful to everyone that posed a question. I'm no not. How silly. <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to pick one at random. So, first one is Holly. She said, considering the amount of memes on Facebook at the moment regarding Endgame, were you slightly disappointed that Ant-Man did not, in fact, go up Thanos' butt? <laughs> Thank you for the question. Related to my prediction. I haven't seen any of, I haven't seen any of these memes. Oh, oh, man. You missed a good time on the internet. <laughs> someone, oh, yeah. someone, so many like, butt jokes. Send me some. Do, do you even meme? <laughs> no, obviously I'll, not. I'll send you a video, Natalie. It was the best. Oh, yes. a video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Reviewing the best Thanos memes. It's great. Nice. Can't <laughs> wait. Be in the show that notes as great. well now that you've mm. said it. Um, mm, can't wait. I, I wasn't disappointed. Um, I kind of <laughs> thought it wasn't going to happen, so I wasn't disappointed. It's Why didn't they do it? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, like, it's ridiculous. But if you, but if you could, wouldn't you? <laughs> I, I was I was slightly disappointed by that by that iteration of it, but then I was even more disappointed by the suggestion that uh, Ant Man should go giant and put Thanos up his ass. <laughs> <laughs> if Ant Man was in Thanos's ass and then made himself large, though, would it explode Thanos? <laughs> or would that I would think it... that was the idea of the meme? Yeah, but or would he get large? <laughs> Just his ass. <laughs> like, what if they both got large? Yeah, it could be a I real miscalculation that. on Ant Man's part. <laughs> it's like, now we have a giant Thanos. Now what do we do? <laughs> the way I was thought about about it was, even if even if he did try that, I don't I don't think as a theory it would actually work. Just uh, because Thanos is like his physiology is like would be would be far more durable than Scott. So if he, so, so if he tried yeah. to try to like expand inside Thanos, he would just end up end up, end up crushing himself. That's a depressing thought. <laughs> wow. What if what if Ant Man had his penis 
Oh. And, um, oh. and then oh, Iron Man made him <laughs> That is definitely too R-rated for Disney. That still feels under uh, Andrew's rules. Wait, are we talking about... <laughs> are we still... Wait a minute. Oh, I thought we were just like... Yeah, I don't think we're doing gay sex jokes. <laughs> no, it's not a joke. It was like a legit question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why did we have to start with that one? <laughs> Sorry, it was it was random. Because um, comedy. It was the first one I looked at. I do apologise. But now we I don't. Great question. If we put this debate to rest now, I don't know. I don't think we've answered the question. Uh, I wasn't disappointed because I didn't think it was going to happen. Yes, I'm. Next question. Andrew, you had one or two, didn't you? So why not go ahead? Yes, I actually, I, I had to add a couple a couple of questions um, from, from my lovely wife, Jana. Um, yeah, well, I actually had about, about a dozen from her, actually. Um, oh, God. Because when, when I mentioned this to her this morning, but most of them were, were covered by all the questions that other people were asking. One of the ones that, that wasn't mentioned um, was, was a simple one of who is Ivan? When Black Widow and, and Hawkeye were on. The Soulstone planet. I can't remember this name. Um, Warming. Yeah, thank you. The, the Red Skull read her as 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 the the, the daughter of Ivan. But, yeah, the, the, though she actually do, she does doesn't uh, doesn't know who he is, and there wasn't any any mention of him. And so the general question is like, who actually is he? Well, I actually researched this. It was actually after the film, and um, because I didn't really know much about Black Widow's past in that sense. Um, the Ivan as her father seems to be an MCU invention. There's no real mention of her father in the comics that I can find. However, mm-hmm. she did have a middle-aged chauffeur called Ivan at one point, so maybe it's a reference to that. There's Sorry. Ivan. Is Ivan the guy who lived with Thor in the cabin? <laughs> no. 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 That was Korg. Uh. <laughs> from, from, from and he couldn't possibly be Black Widow's father, so... <laughs> <laughs> It would it would throw up a few questions. I think it's more than a few. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm guessing it was just a random Russian name they plucked out of the ether for her father. Yeah, well, some other history was, um, what was uh, uh, Ivan Petrov or some, uh, something something that sounds equally Russian. He, he was he was uh, someone who who raised her when she was a small child um, after her mother was killed, and then when she was a small girl, he took her to the. Like the, the the black ops training place where uh, where, the, where where she spent at the end of her childhood being turned into a killing machine. Yeah, that's that's the chauffeur guy I was talking about. He's like her Alfred. They should have just had Red Skull say, "Welcome, Clint, son of Edith, and Natasha, daughter of Vladimir Putin," and then look <laughs> right to camera and just be like, "You heard me." <laughs> <laughs> That could have worked. I feel like we should have a separate podcast for questions. This, that's what I this just is. really, I just really, wait. Well, I feel like a lot of the questions will the guide. Questions one? Will guide our the conversation. conversation. Yeah. They will. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Okay. So does that satisfactorily answer who Ivan is? Oh, can't hear everything. I think it's satisfactorily as we're we're gonna get. Yeah. Yes. I mean, in, as much as like as a throwaway moment. Could give any satisfaction. Cool. And your mm-hmm. wife had another one. We might as well do that now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so, uh, so this one's actually uh, to hopefully give some some a bit more discussion. Uh, was uh, asking, but has Banner destroyed the Hulk? 
yeah, so just uh, with her reasoning being that, but like, like the, the 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 synth banner like um that now exists in the form of a Hulk with with the Hulk strength. And when he was talking to the Ancient One to try to convince her to give him the time stone, and and she and she she thrust his spirit out of his body. Like the the spirit that the spirit that came out like was like was was it was was a human banner, and the Hulk spirit wasn't anywhere to be seen. And seeing as banner and the Hulk are essentially like two entities like that exist in the same body, but yeah, but but since now doesn't seem to be any any trace of the Hulk, then yeah, then does he still exist? That's a really good question. Uh, does anyone have any thoughts? I do have thoughts on this one. I just want to see if anybody else about has. whether. Hulk still exists as the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's like evolving. He's like, doesn't he say like he's, he has like a struggle with him, and I think he's a, by the end is he not like evolved into some sort of like middle ground between Banner and Prof Hulk. Well, he's evolved into like a middle ground physically, yeah, but 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 in terms of personality, he was entirely Banner. Like, there wasn't any mm. trace of the Hulk there. Mm-hmm. I guess it all depends yeah, yeah. whether you consider the Hulk and Banner to be two different people or the same person. I mean, it could be that the the Hulk is just an altered state of Banner's own personality, in which case, yeah, I don't think he's like a different person. It, like it's just like another and, level. Yeah, the comics have different schools schools of thought on this as well. Depends who's writing them. Um, there's also the possibility that Banner and the Hulk's personality have merged into being this new thing that seems a bit more Banner-like, but. Um, yeah, that's what I thought happened. Like, they just become one. Like, just one up, you know, Hulk banner thing. I think it's probably quite in- an interesting way to go because they've had they've had a few films with um, with Banner struggling with the Hulk, whereas now there's a bit more of a sort of character development where the he's kind of brought the two of them together. Uh, it's probably quite an interesting direction for them to go. It would be quite nefarious if Banner had been like, nah, I'm the only one that gets to exist, see you later Hulk, and, and there's this kind of other being that's just stamped down. Uh, of course, it could be in a future film, the Hulk comes back with a vengeance. They could do the Mr. Fix-It story, which is the Grey Hulk thing, where he becomes a bouncer in Las Vegas. Hmm. and A bit of a douche, to be honest. But uh, that's that's kind of the, the Hulk personality, about as smart as it can get, so to speak. And then... Yeah, Banner's a bit of a sociopath at, at some point. It's all weird stuff. It really is. Um, don't re- don't ever read the Hulk comics. They just go all over the place. They really do. Uh, Kat, do you have any thoughts on on their personalities? I I don't like this evolved thing. It it kind of very easily dismissed the conflict that was such a big thing in Infinity War. And in previous films, um, anytime Banner was on the screen, you know, the the conflict was quite a big sort of issue. And then here we, ju- we just get a, oh, yeah, we work things out. Everything's fine now. Like, bye. And it's like, I'm not content with this. It's not enough for you to just tell me that everything's fine. Um, it does seem like the personality of Hulk isn't there. About the spirit, it's a very good question with the Ancient One, etc. It feels like Hulk has been reduced to his physicality and just the body, and then Banner has control of like the spirit slash personality. Um, not happy with it. <laughs> One of the character development like aspects of the film that I really didn't care for. 
Um, and I hope it's not true because I, I would like to see that worked out like on screen. I would like to see this be resolved if it was resolved or if it is going to be resolved. Uh, just being told is not satisfying. I'd agree that the off-screen aspect of it was a bit disappointing, but and it, yeah, I don't know. It feels like they had to put in a few kind of bridging points between Infinity War and Endgame that um, I don't know how they decided what was going to make it and what wasn't going to make it, or whether or not this film would have been seventeen hours long if they tried to put everything in. <laughs> yeah, um, Banner has always been kind of underwritten in these films. He's never really a a driving force of the story he gets kind of swept up in it and that does happen here He's that's not effort. true what about that one where it's just him and thor like having a fight for like 25 minutes yeah so so thor and the hulk fight in that film and then banner gets swept up in thor's escape plan and that's about it so he's not really a driving force of anything he's just kind of there um not that's not good it's just that he's just kind of there uh, age of ultron he goes along with whatever stark wants to do um, yeah, Infinity War. He's he's in the background. Banners in the background of everything that's going on, uh, but doesn't other than tell people who Thanos is doesn't really do anything. So I think I think Banner suffers from the fact that he doesn't get solo films and everyone else does. You know, he's he's kind of. Were you talking about Hulk has had like solo movies? No, he's had in the MCU. He's had one, and it wasn't. Oh, the MCU. Yeah, but he yeah. still had like his own movies. Yeah, but count towards this, is, this. this is the MCU, though. Like, it doesn't count. And and also, the one movie he did get doesn't really count. Like, it <laughs> sort of kind of counts. But, like, nobody nobody rewatches The Incredible Hulk. I do. And nobody... Oh, really? Of course Bless you. you. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> oh, bless. Okay, fine. Uh, it's one of my least favorite MCU movies. I've seen it Massive Norton once. Head. <laughs> I've seen it the once and then never again. Um, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I like it, um, but I agree it doesn't count because they've spent all this time trying to forget it. Uh, it's used as footage <laughs> in the Avengers to prove that Hulk exists, and uh, General Ross turns up as Secretary Ross. So that's some kind of holdover from then. But um, yeah, I think. Uh, I think Hulk really needs a couple of solo movies, you know, and, and he was missing a couple of solo movies to kind of talk through what those issues were and deal with them properly rather than have them be kind of a hanger-on in other people's films. Um, he suffers from that a bit. I mean, I know that Marvel can't actually make solo Hulk films without universal permission. There's some kind of weird deal in place there, but, but still. Uh, it's a shame. I'd... Yeah, I still, don't, I still don't know whether they're the same person or different people uh, inhabiting the same body. Um, I would hope that Banner hasn't just murdered like this other voice in his head. That would be kind of gruesome. And not at all heroic. I, I, just, I just took it to be one of those details that like, the, the film is kind of tacitly asking us to quietly or, overlook while it gets on with, with the story. Yeah. Because you need a smart Hulk for the plot. You need him. He needs to, you know, he needs to decide to do the snap himself and all that stuff. Could you imagine Stroppy Child Hulk deciding that? <laughs> I mean, I would like to see the conversation. You know, come on, Hulk. You just need to snap your fingers. Come on. 
Meanwhile, he's like throwing them across the room. Shall we move on to the next question? Yeah. Okay. At random, I'll pick Dave. Knowing how it all turns out, would you prefer to be snapped or a survivor? What oh, is this based on would you because you'd miss out on five years ish? Yeah. Yeah. Would you would you <laughs> happily would you prefer to be like dead for five years and then come back, or would you rather live those five years? Uh, who'd prefer to be dead? That's a weird. <laughs> like, do you want Maybe to be dead? On pause, rather than dead. That's basically the same, though, isn't it? Like, if life's on pause and you're in a coma, kind of. So, you know, I'd rather live, even though it's like a sad world. Like, it's you know gone after this you know, disaster. I won't want to have you know, like, oh yeah, I'll give. Try and be in dead ago, and then <laughs> being like, "Oh yeah, but yeah, even if you know that it's going to come back and be fine, it's still a weird. That seems like a weird sort of idea. Like, cause you're just missing out on five years. No, I definitely want to be alive. That seems like a yeah. It's all about so, life. I gotta live. Alive and miserable then. He can still How, like, but not everyone's miserable, goes, though. Yeah, that guy goes on a date. <laughs> and cries by dessert. Still on a date. Some people would have been happy that certain people were gone. Then five years later, they're like, oh, no, <laughs> they're back. <laughs> this is true. I think I'd rather live because, in theory, all the popular podcasters have been snapped away, so I can swoop in and be the most popular <laughs> podcaster. Also, yeah, only half of, only have the half the listenership of the podcast though. Well, it'd still be better. Um, Did uh, any of you guys get like the sense though, like that during that movie that it was like more than fifty percent? Because it looked like there was definitely times when they had like shots of like streets and stuff where I was like, like zombie apocalypse levels, and you're talking like ninety percent, looked like ninety percent desertion. Yeah, I guess the idea was that everybody who survived just kind of gave up. Didn't know what to do with themselves. Yeah, it was a very glum world. Like, there wasn't any birds <laughs> or anything. And... Yeah. Okay, got it's it pretty just... bad that yeah. all his family disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was rough. He made his family disappear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, another thing is it might lower the housing prices enough so I could afford one. And then yeah, but... some guy comes back five years later and says, you're my house. If 50% of the population disappeared, though, right? Like, you would just be like... You'd get on with it. Well, some people did, like Audi. They still make cars for Tony Stark and the Avengers. <laughs> How did they do it? I don't, well... How do they probably do just it? Took, they probably just took the cars that weren't used anymore and just put the Audi dealer on. <laughs> like, oh, we've got a few Ferraris here, and then the millionaire owners have died. So just, like, screwdriver off the Ferrari logo, like, put on the old Audi one, give it, like, a repaint or something, so it looks a bit different. You're an Audi now, Dave. Brand new Audi. I just feel like, I don't know, how did you guys feel about that? But I felt like they made it look like, like... The Skywalking Dead. Yeah, like, I think, do you know when that guy, like, the kids go down the street, and there's, like the whole street's deserted and all the houses are like empty and all the cars are like rusting and people have to get around on bikes. I was like, it's only 50% of the population. <laughs> and like, That's and most... three and a half billion people. Yeah, but think about it. it. Th- no, but think about it, right? What percentage of them would have been like your old age pensioners 
And what percentage would have been kids? Because then that leaves you all the responsible adults. I'd say probably about 50% of each of those demographics. Like, I'd understand if if 50% of the population were wiped out and they only left the OAPs and the babies because, like, they would all die. Classic zombie apocalypse populations. If you're talking about having, like, a really... I don't know, I just feel like they just made it look far worse than I think actually... (laughs) Although, how many people do you think killed themselves when they realised that their entire family had been had disappeared? Well, they should not have lost hope. And why would they do that? Why would they think that that was like an outcome that they should have? Did they not think, well, hold on a minute, this could be sorted? No, it's quite a... Who in their right mind would think this could be sorted? Unless you're one of the Avengers. Avengers. Well, except for the Avengers. Okay, fine. (laughs) I went on the Avengers website and they said they're working on it and we'll be on it. We'll get back in touch soon. (laughs) Yeah, take a lot of hope to be like, maybe half of the universe will come back. (laughs) The Avengers Twitter account says, don't worry guys, we're on it. Hashtag bringing everyone back. So wait a minute. So wait a minute, right? So, okay, so in this, like, theory, you've got this deserted street because everyone who's, like, a Hawkeye has lost their family, and so they've killed themselves. And then, so what happens when the family comes back? Well, and the, because yeah. the person who's killed themselves is not going to come back? Nope. They come back and go, oh, no, like, Jared's topped himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of. That's not a happy Now cemetery. we arrive at the fundamental problem of Endgame. It's like not, ever, not it's everything. It's like the worst kind of Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> now of, what do they do? Do the family then kill themselves? Think of all the planets like, oh. who don't even have Avengers Twitter, and they wouldn't have even been able to see them. <laughs> so they'd have all killed of, themselves. Can I? Can We've I sort Mar-Bell. of ask the follow-on question? Yeah. yeah. So like. The follow-on question from, like, would you rather be, like, snapped or come back? How do people feel? How how do you guys feel about the fact that it's all basically reversed? Well, I feel happy about it, but mm-hmm. I don't understand how they've tried to explain it to me. I mean, that's a, separate, okay. that's a separate thing. <laughs> I, I'm okay with it. I, I, yeah, I'm okay with it. It's going to be reversed it. in some way. Although mm. what I was surprised by was this kind of five years later thing is allowed to continue. Mm. I expected it to kind of, well, we've rolled it back to the point of the snap, so nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. Like but, two seconds later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. basically, yeah. People were gone for like two seconds and now they're back. Mm. It's fine. Uh, so I'm glad they stuck with the, okay, the changes that these people, that happened to these people over the five years are still... Um, are still valid. You know, they still went through that. The world still suffered them an insane loss. The universe still suffered an insane loss, but now it's everyone's back. And that probably brings its own set of problems as well. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, as I said, when I've bought someone's house, because now I can afford it, because half the world's dead, now mm-hmm. I'm living in someone's house. They come back five years later and say, why are you in my house? What's mm-hmm. all your furniture doing here? Get out. And then I'm like, no, no, I own this house. I thought you were dead. So- oh my gosh, but this is just like in the flight of the navigator, though, where the kid goes away into space comes back, goes to his family home, and it's, like, the future, but he feels like he's only been away for five minutes. Like, how do we know it's five years? Like, it's not five years for... Right, 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 right. But how is this, like, Kung Fu Panda? That's what I want to know. Hold on. There is a secret ingredient. (laughs) 
it wouldn't be five years for the people that have disappeared. It would be like five seconds. So but they'll come back. Doesn't Spider Man say? And Gus isn't agreeing with me, and he probably knows more because he has seen it twice, and I've not. But like, I don't. I feel like five years that they're away, though they've been existing in like a, a space together. No, because Peter says no. I must have passed out, and then I woke up, and Doctor Strange was there, and you weren't here, and, and yeah, so he wasn't there. Thing. But yeah. Doctor Strange, like, yeah, they were together. Like, were they not together in the same only once they came place? snapped back to reality? Yeah. How do we know that he's referring to that though, and not to he got disappeared and then reemerged? Logic, like, my dear boy. But like, what about <laughs> so? Do you know, like in Willy Wonka with Mike TV? He gets broken down into like a million pieces and the then reassembles. Yes. So that's like being dusted. So then he's like being dusted and it's like he's been teleported somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, but he's not using. Thanos wasn't using Wonka TV. <laughs> or what about the. How do we know that? Where they had that? How do we know that? How do we know that? The rehydrating device. You know, the, the people were taking dust and they rehydrated them. Uh, well, how do no. we know that they've not just been taken away and. Like Mike TV, like another thing. Because Peter Parker tells you, because he says I passed out and then I woke up and then Doctor Strange was there. Like no time had passed for him. Yeah. Or anyone else. Anyone else? What was Cat's question? Why did we like? Did we like? Were we okay with it? I feel like okay with it, Cat. This is one of my problems, sort of. Um, It kind of feels too easy somehow and i know they go through a lot to get there but it by negating the loss of everything it just kind of like renders this whole story a bit like oh well it's all fine and we've only lost like a couple people so you know everything's fine everyone's well woohoo and i'm just like i don't know it's been a decade of like emotional turmoil and it just feels like i've been robbed of like catharsis somehow um i i don't like that it's all easily reversed and I Not think equally reversed. It takes. It is. Movie. It it literally takes a snap of fingers at the end of the day. Um, and I'm not about it. I, I that's not what I expected. I guess. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's and and we don't really sit with it enough to like see how that plays out. Like Craig said, you know, like what well, what are the repercussions of having everyone come back? Um, we don't really get to see any of that. So, like, you know, it's just kind of like this abstract thing. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure I like it. Anyway. Spider-Man I think that coming, we'll probably cover it. Not home the home end home. of um, mm. the end of Infinity War did feel like a big uh, loss because, you know, got punched. So many people get dusted. But I still felt like in the end, in the next film, in Endgame, that there restoration was going to be inevitable. Hmm. I think because the the ending of Infinity War was such a cataclysmic downer, like, yeah, then I I think for a lot of people, the only way that they would feel any kind of vindication like for having sat through that would, would have been like if the people were somehow brought back. Just because it, it would feel that the Avengers, like, as a team, there, there really wasn't much else that they would have been able to work towards. 
Mm. I do agree with what you're saying, like, that it was a bit too simple a solution, but I really can't think of any other way that they could have done it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty complicated. <laughs> okay. Like, just take them. Oh, yeah, I don't know. There were so many moments where I was like, oh, they're not going to do it. Like... Well, like what happens next I, and I was about like maybe they've played us for fools this whole time because maybe they're going to make us think that it's easy to bring everyone back and it won't happen so then when they finally get there and then they make it happen I was just kind of like thank fuck because I was like absolutely knackered <laughs> um, yeah. so there's an interesting follow on question from Julie who asks was Tony's decision to bring everyone back into the present day so he could keep his daughter selfish? Um, she was kind of getting at the, the fact that, um, all right, he gets to keep his, his new life, but there's all sorts of other untold horrible things that he's allowing to happen, like, as we alluded to, the suicides and things like that. So um, it's an interesting one. So, yeah, of course it's a, a selfish decision. I think pretty much every decision that Tony Stark makes is selfish in one way or another so yeah he was he was definitely looking out for himself and his bubble when he made that choice i think he's not thinking selfishly though about it because he sees how happy like his wife is and and doesn't want to take that away from her although i did think that he would though because you know how we went to the double bill and you know in the movie before when he's like oh i had this really strange dream that I had a daughter and I was like oh my god they're gonna go back to this moment in time because he he because of that scene where he's so convinced that they've had like a daughter and they thought they were gonna raise her but I think he's not being selfish I think he's considering feelings of Pepper Potts would have carried the baby to this baby you know that life, I don't know. But it seems like that's a way of how they would have resolved it anyway, bringing everyone to that timeline. Doesn't seem to make sense for them to go back in time. Yeah, anyone else? I think it is selfish. I think it contributes to that sense of like having your cake and eating it too. You know, you we get everybody back. And also anyone who was born in those five years stays. So, like, you don't lose anything. Um, you know, you gain everyone you lost. And, you know, his daughter stays. So it's like, yeah. And, like, he ultimately, I feel like if he hadn't had a kid, they would have time-traveled back to before the snap and and just prevented it from happening or reversing it at that moment rather than really? leaving those five years. Yeah, I think so. So that's why they, like, they would have had no reason to, to think about this. Like it was, it was entirely Iron Man thinking, Oh, well, man, like I've had a kid in that time. So, you know, so anyone else who's had a kid. So it was a choice. Cause like this whole time I've been thinking that it was the only way that they could make it work. I didn't realize it was a, a no, conscious choice. He said he would only do th- it if, if he didn't lose what he'd gained in the five years. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It's a hundred percent a choice. And like, and a hundred percent because it was his own. Like, it was Iron Man making that choice because he'd had a kid. 
if he hadn't had a kid, that conversation wouldn't even have been had. They would have been like, well, let's go back then since we can sort out time travel and we're going to go back and like just instantly reverse it. And then it'll be like it never happened. And then the universe would also never have had to have suffered the massive loss. They wouldn't even have known it had happened. But if they'd done that, then like, I don't know that Stark would even stop to consider other people having had children, but because he'd had children, like, so yeah, like I, I ultimately think like it's, it's, it's very much a selfish thing. And for me, it kind of like, yeah, like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not happy. <laughs> I don't think they could have done it any other way because there has to be some kind of narrative progression. If they, if they'd just been able to go back and yeah, even if, uh, he had a daughter or didn't have a daughter and they'd just mm-hmm. gone and er- erased the sort of final act of Infinity War. I don't think that's a, a great ending to, to Saga because you're basically just saying it was all a dream or yeah. we can just snap the, you know, the bad stuff out of existence. They had to kind of do something where uh, there'd be some kind of forward momentum. Mm. Also, like what's the deal with like going back in time? Because if the what is it because they're saying the whole back to the future is bullshit thing but i was thinking of like doing butterfly effect when you keep them trying to go back and change something and then it gets worse because everything has like a knock-on effect but they're saying that that doesn't apply so if they went back to the time of where the universe got snapped wouldn't it still happen it would in their timeline but not in this new one uh, so don't so they have to? So don't they have to stay in this five years in the future? Although it's been established that the time stone can actually reverse time, because you see Thanos do that with Vision in the last film. So like beyond, so like they can get so, beyond. Yeah. So in theory, they could have just pressed rewind until they got to a suitable point, and then stopped it from there. Um, which is maybe a riskier plan than collecting Infinity Stones and unsnapping. I don't know. But yeah, it is largely because of what Stark wanted and. I think that's perfectly in character with what's been established about him. He's never really been concerned with anything outside of his bubble, um, as a lot of people in in the world aren't, I suppose. But uh, yeah, it's it's perfectly in keeping with what what he would do, and uh, that was kind of his condition for helping. It is weird that no one disagrees with him. I suppose I'm surprised that that Cap isn't like, well, there's more than just your kid, Tony, but. He's just kind of happy. Is it because though, like, they're so desperate? Because it's like he is really the only. I mean, I know Ant Man comes up with the whole like, this is what could happen, and then Hulk helps and stuff. But like, they need him. They need him to do it. Like, they yeah. legit can't do. Can't do it without him. Yeah, uh, desperation will definitely be part of it. And we know that Doctor Strange watched all the other eventualities anyway. Yeah, and this is the only one that would work. I suppose the end of it doesn't matter. Like, if it's in the version where Iron Man snaps and everyone go and it goes back to 2017 or whatever, 2018, whenever Infinity War is set, then that's not really a loss, is it? Because Thanos has already been defeated. So it's not like you'd have seen that and gone, "Oh, that that works out badly." Unless it would have maybe maybe going back to the original thing, it would have worked out. I don't know. I can't see it being a, like, if they went back to the day of the snap, like it never happened, 
sort of thing being a a loss because like that point Thanos is already gone, so what's the yeah, yeah, well, well I, I was just assuming that, 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 like, that absolutely every single theory that any, anybody could come up with about, about something else they could have done was one of the 14 million uh, like, futures like the, 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 the Doctor Strange envisioned, like, which ended up not working. Yeah. Well, me, meaning that the events of Endgame were literally the only possible way that things could, things could have played out and, and resulted in Thanos' ultimate defeat. Well, the thing is, if you can... Okay, if you can go back and you can change things within your own timeline, uh, you you have no way of knowing what the repercussions of those changes would be. So, you know, Rhodey's choice or Rhodey's uh, idea of let's go back and like slit Thanos' throat when he's a baby. It's like yeah, it's kind of it's kind of grisly, but okay. But, you know, I don't. But they can't do that though because they can't. No, they, well, they, well, let's say for the sake of argument that they can. You don't know that someone else as bad as him will come into. Well, that's the thing, like the butterfly effect. You can't go yeah. back and then do that because you don't know, like, what other timelines you're going to create. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. And I think they acknowledge that that they can't use that as like an option because it would just change like too much. Yeah. Okay. Um, shall we move on to the next question? Yeah. What? Uh, Natalie, why don't you throw in one of yours? Okay. Well, I actually had. Quite a good, well, I've been sent quite a few, but there's one that um, that I got asked at work today. Uh, so this one is from James, and he asks us, how did we feel about the moment with the hammer? That was very cool. That was very cool. Yes. I think it was like one of my favourite scenes, like for sure. I was just like, oh, I don't know. It, that I got really excited in that that scene. Gusby, I don't know. I'm quite protective of me on here, so I was a bit like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but then it was pretty cool to see him wielding the shield so, and the hammer. So cool, like that whole sequence. Like I don't know. I felt like I was in like a video game or something where he's just like he's just like going across the like whole screen, just bashing everyone, <laughs> and it was just amazing. And I was like, yeah, I thought it was great. Just oh, visually, I don't know. I was pretty excited. Bringing the lightning. Yeah, yeah it was good. like I want to go see the movie, I think, again, because I really enjoyed that scene. I want to see that. Yeah, I love that moment. Um, it it actually reminded me of the similar moment in The Force Awakens, but I think this was more effective. Uh, oh, the Ray moment. Yeah. Um, it was, but it was set up wonderfully, because we've known since Age of Ultron that Cap has that potential, uh, and it's good to see that pay off. You know, before we won't see the character anymore. Oh, and his eyes, like, ah, it was so cool. I thought it was great. And when Thor was like, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, well, you, were kind of like, you were kind of wary of it last time, but okay. I guess the, the situation's a bit more desperate at the moment. You're about to get stabbed with your own axe, so. Yeah, like he, yeah, like he has a whole new weapon now, so he's fine. <laughs> like, you know, one made just for him, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, thought, I thought it was a pr- pretty spectacular mo- moment as well. It, it was just one of the ones like kind of punch the air, hell yeah, kind of kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. Although the cynic in me uh, did did consider later uh, that Cap being being able to wield wield Mjolnir was was also was also necessary um, f- uh, for for later on when he had to when he had to had to return. It to, like to to the correct point in in the timeline, be, because otherwise he wouldn't he wouldn't have been able to able to lift it. 
it also makes too much to put it back. It also makes Cat basically useless in the fight if he can't wield it. Because he, mm. you know, he's no match against Thanos, not at all. You know, he, he gets thrown around pretty, pretty readily when he, um, when he tries. I mean, this is a I, guy that can go toe to toe with the Hulk, so Cap hasn't got much hope. Kind of forgotten that, uh, the the whole Age of Ultron thing, where it like wobbles and stuff. My sister had to remind me of that scene because, like, I couldn't remember it that much. But, um, so I was kind of surprised. But then I was like, why am I surprised? I'm pretty sure I've seen him wielding Milner on the cover of like one of the part like the comics oh, yeah, is it like one of the civil war yeah. and stuff like where he's like where he's got it and i just had this image in my head of like him already like possessing it so i don't know i thought it was great yeah, well, oh yeah yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah but yeah but the the images like appear on the covers of comics like aren't aren't like aren't stiffly canonical in any kind of way like, like they're just like cool cool art yeah, but well, he has wielded it a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah. like the time. Turn it around, loads. Yeah. Whatever he's yeah. doing DIY. <laughs> <laughs> doing DIY. It's whatever, whatever qualities that the hammer recognizes as worthiness, Cap also has them. You know, if equal to worthy, allow lift, or whatever, the, whatever it is. Yeah, 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 yes, and exactly, and exactly what those qualities are has always been a bit nebulous. Um, should I ask you guys some of the other questions? Because I think you guys will be really good at answering them. Fire away. You know, I think this will have to be my last question. So. Okay, well, I think you'll like this one then. Throw because it at me. It's a doozy. Okay, Callum asks, now that Thanos is gone, not entirely, but for the foreseeable future, who will be the next big bat? Will it be Adam Warlock? Will it be Namor? Is it Namor? Namor? Namor. Or will he be anti-hero? Galactus, Mephisto, Doctor Doom. When do you think the next big bad will be teased? Is there this far from home, or will we need to wait until the Eternals? I don't think we're going to get a big bad for a while. I think they're going to take a break from the the really high stakes universe ending stuff because, you know, you've just made something that's very very difficult to top. So, I think we're going to have a bit some quieter stories for a while. Uh, Doctor Doom is probably your best bet because. Fantastic Four now exist or can now exist, and he's well, he's the, he's the biggest villain there is, in in terms of the the Marvel comics anyway. You know, there's nothing he can't get his hands on. Um, Galactus is more of a force of nature than a villain, so you know he'd be a bit like Dormammu actually that we've already had. I think. Mm, okay. Um, he'd be more like that. Namor would be an anti-hero. Uh, Marvel's Aquaman, basically. King of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Adam Warlock? I don't know. I think he'd be a Guardians villain. Not so much a, a big bad for the MCU. Yeah, yeah, like, why yeah, even yeah. bother having a small villain if you can have like a massive villain? Why did he even bother? Cause... I think there will be a, a sense of like there's a power vacuum gone. With like, you know, obviously Thanos was like a a you know, well-known like universal dictator guy, and I suppose they're like, oh, it's these dudes on Earth that were, the, you know, finally got round to killing him. So, I think it would be quite nice to see another like big baddie show up. I'm not sure, maybe. Uh, I do quite like Mephisto. He's fun. Let's see Loki give it another go, but he's say he's dead. But I want to see. I don't. Th- I don't think we've even had enough. I want, I want, I want an evil Loki again. I think like a proper, 
like a proper look, a Norse god-style illusion look, Loki. And I think that'd be quite, I don't know. I think they're still Loki hungry. I don't know that, that. I don't know that that's very likely. Yeah, it's just, but they've taken a they, very different approach. Yeah, yeah. but we had. Cause I was thinking because the past Loki steals the Tesseract, doesn't he? And then Scarpers. So could we have yeah. that? Could we have that past sort of Avengers era Loki show up? Or well, that was um, that was Sandy's question. So I might as well just ask that just now. Where do you think Loki went, and do you feel this is a deliberate door opener to a Loki movie or two? Uh, I think that's actually set up for the Loki TV series that we're getting on Disney Plus when that comes out. Um, so it seems like we're going to get maybe a, a reality hopping Loki with access to the Space Stone, just cutting about doing stuff. Um, when he was kind of at his Avengers height of evil, but. I don't know. Um, I don't think Loki will come back as a big bad. I think that, that ship is sailed. What I think what happened was that I, I agree that there's probably probably not going to be uh, any any real hint of a, of a, a big bad for, for a while yet. Though when they when they, when they, they get around to to doing a film of the Eternals, yeah, then I think that would be a good point um, to to introduce Overmind as as a as a villain. Who's just like I I um I and 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 like and and incredibly. Uh, uh, being with 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 with, with, practic- with uh, uh, practically god level psychic powers, he was able to get into, into people's heads and and bend them to as well. And and, and so after a villain like Thanos, like, who who is is essentially like a, a, pure, a purely purely physical threat, and having someone who is um more more of a more of a mental villain would 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 be a, a good a good change. Um, yeah, I actually think Mephisto could be a shout now to think about it. Uh, the reason for that is. When, so the ancient one talks about when you remove the infinity stones from a given reality, it opens it up to attack from the forces of darkness, whatever those are, right? But so in the main MCU reality, the infinity stones are not there; they've been destroyed. So in theory, that's opened them up to all these threats from these forces from of other darkness. things. And you don't get much darker than Mephisto. Um, oh, should we just say who for for everyone? Like Mephisto, I'm, I'm only yeah, vaguely aware of Mephisto is, is a devil, yeah. Yeah, he's the MCU devil. Um, so what the hell is Mr. Doctor Doom? Doctor Doom is a really <laughs> Mr. Doctor Professor, Professor Doom. Doom. <laughs> Professor really... Doom would have been better. Professor Doom. Professor Doom. No, no, it's all about the alliteration. Doctor Doom. Uh, he is a Professor genius Doctor level Doom. dictator who runs his own country. Just his own country? Robert That's pretty good. He's in the universe. Robert is in universe, mate. Well, he has designs on running the universe. Um, yeah, and he has an inexhaustible, uh, an inexhaustible army of robotic clones of himself called Doombots. And I mean, every, they thank and, you. And every and every single time that like that he was defeated, like, like it usually end up as as being oh, well, actually, it was a Doombot, and it, it wasn't the real him. Wasn't that a song by Hanson? <laughs> doom bat. Oh my god. Doom bat. Okay. Dum, 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 doom Maybe Hanson's the next MCU film. Oh my god, can we actually like reach out to Hanson and see if they can make that a song? Because <laughs> no. like I would listen to that. Um, sure, give it a go. See what happens. Um, <laughs> can I ask a quick question for Isaac Runsway again? Because I have another one that kind of harks back to some stuff that we talked about, but it's kind of interesting because we didn't talk about this one angle. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, 
Rebecca in Nova Scotia asks, all of the children who survived are now five years older and all their friends who came back. The kids who came back, did they just go to school like nothing happened? Are they back in the grade they were in before? What about the kids who were left behind? Were they in school? What if their parents were gone? What happened to them then? And this made me think of Spider-Man because, you know, like, at the end, Spider-Man just cuts about, like, with his regular class. Like, everything's fine, but, like... Yeah, when we well, well, when Far From Home will come out, I think it'll address that a few of the kids have probably graduated. And, like, I suppose, like, yeah, we know that definitely that whatever Spider-Man's friend is called is going to be in it. Ned and MJ and Flash Thompson. But they all, like, they all just go back to school to be, like... Oh, great. Things are back to normal. But the only way of being able to graduate in half the subjects, though, because half the teachers have all been dusted. <laughs> Maybe there's one, like, it'd be funny if there was one, like, really thick kid who's still at school, but he's, like, he's, like, 20. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, like, oh, did you not, uh, did you not age up as well? I was, like, no, I aged up. I'm just, I'm still, still here. He's, <laughs> like, I found, I found no reason to leave. I just thought I'd stick in school because I don't want to get I don't want to get a job or anything. I couldn't go to uni, so they just sort of left me here to just sort of learn more. Like Kearney in The Simpsons, he's just sitting there shaving at the back of the class. Yeah, he's just shaving. He's got his own son <laughs> on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, Far From Home will probably address that. It'll be like, where's Mike? It's like, oh yeah, he's like 22 now. Isn't that weird? Um, oh my God, this is just like that French TV show. What was it called? The Re- Le- Le- Revenants. Can't speak French. Le Kung Fu Panda. No, the Revenants. Because like in that, there's like two, there's like twins, and one of the girls dies, and then like seven years later comes back, uh, and her twin is like older, and it's just really weird. There was a TV show like that, that. I, I used to watch called The Forty Four Hundred, where funnily enough, four thousand four hundred people were like abducted by aliens or something. And then they were returned to Earth some years later, just as they were when they left. Um, so you had yeah, like the Navigator. Oh, I've never seen that. So what? Flight of the Navigator is a classic movie from the eighties, where a kid gets on a spaceship and has adventures around the world. But it's like it's like mad time travel, and it's all about how like when he comes back. He's like not the right age, and then he has to try and get back to like his own time. It's uh, it's pretty dark. It I think great. it'll be dealt with, but I don't know how much they'll, they'll definitely not delve into it as much as people like us have questions about it because you know. But they're good questions. Just be like, though, oh, he's Professor like, Hawk now. Oh, they're some of them are five years older now. Maybe he's Professor Doom now. Well, Spider. Professor Doom is my father. <laughs> Well, Spider-Man is the kind of domestic, you know, the smaller scale storytelling. So if it's going to be dealt with anywhere, it'll be there. What, you think they're going to cover it in the next Spider-Man movie? Well, they'll have to. How, how are they going to cover it in the next Spider-Man movie? I think they're just going to have, like, like they can't go, oh yeah, half my class is now, like, I don't know, whatever That's age. what I mean, I think they will. I think they'll sort of... You think they will? Devote, you know a few lines to it and then just be like, like a nod to it but they're not actually gonna don't think about that anymore that was in a different phase of the MCU <laughs> don't well, look at the man behind the curtain left by the way Isaac had to go oh that's okay he's this, he's dust he's now dust, dust. Yes. snap <laughs> um, yeah no they will have to deal with it in some way 
in, in Far From Home because otherwise, what are they doing? What's the point in having continuity if you're not willing to have continuity? So I don't know how they'll deal with it. Um, it's very clear that the entire main cast of that film were all snap victims <laughs> because they're all just still very young. Lucky. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe Aunt May was still about. Who knows? We'll find out. Well, definitely not then. No. No, the kids are gone. Yeah. We shall see. It's out in July, so maybe <laughs> they'll answer the question. Can they just bring him back? Can they just go back in time and bring him back? Because... Since he's died. Shall we move on to another question? Yeah. Go on then. Got one. Kat, you had some. Yeah. Mm. Alright, so uh from Eleanor. Uh, we've got a question. How do we feel about the portrayal of women slash female heroes in Endgame? Pretty nice that they all get to cut bite together again, you know? Like, mm. that was necessary. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> Sorry. <Yay. laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I felt like that moment was kind of like... Part of me was like, hey, like, that's actually a really cool shot of, like, all the women. But then, yeah. at the same time, I was like, all right, we're being pandered to. I don't like being pandered to. I don't like this, yeah. actually. Um, yeah. And then the rest of the time, just like, yeah, I can't help but feel that um, Black Widow really got shafted. Not just by dying. Like, the dying is fine. Somebody had to. But... Like, she doesn't get a funeral. She doesn't get recognition for, like, sort of running the ship of the Avengers for f the five years, like, during the time skip. Like, mm. it's implied she's the only one who's, like, been keeping the the thing afloat and kind of, like, giving people hope and whatnot. And, yeah, at the end, like, she kind of thanklessly dies. And then she doesn't even get a funeral at the end, but Tony gets one. So, you know, there's that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's also like, like Captain Marvel is hilariously underused again because yeah, like she's super powerful. And like, if they had her there the whole time, she'd just kind of go, whip, whip, whip. There we go. All right. Everything's fine. Yeah. Next. <laughs> um, which is part of why I really like her. Cause like, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't take any like, extraneous time just like dilly dallying like there's no time for that you know like she comes in does a job like gets out um but then that means that she's only in this film for like 10 minutes maybe she was um, in it and like, I... so much less than i thought she was going to be because i'm yeah, sure truly like one of my predictions was that she was going to be in it like so much after we saw her mm -hmm. in her own movie and like, yeah, she's in it for, like, yeah, five minutes and then comes back at the end to be like, oh, yeah, I've saved those other universes. Like, ugh. Yeah, and also, you know, like, I just destroyed Thanos' ship, like, in two seconds. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's a pretty like, cool there's just... Though. Yeah, the... It's, like, it's almost mm, the for sure. Superman problem, though. It's, you know, when Superman turns up in Justice League, it's like, why are we here? He's gone. Mm -hmm. Well, they should think about that. 
Also, he's yeah. watching Justice League. <laughs> True. <laughs> it's uh, um, slightly above average. But, like, seriously, though, I have to agree with you, Kat. Like, I feel awful because, I like, I want more, like, obviously I want more female representation in the superhero movies, but then it's like when they do it, I'm like, I'm like, oh god, could they not have done this, like another yeah. way that feels like more, I don't know, like truer, worthy. I don't really have the right word, but organic, organic, yeah. But like when they have that scene where it's mm. like all the women just ganging up on, uh, whatever that person, can't remember her name, and they're all like, oh, she's not alone, you know. It's like great, but you know, I wanted it to be cool. I wanted to like it, and I just find it really like, oh. Like, no, I can't be concise with my criticism because I don't really know how I feel about it, but it just makes me feel really comfortable. So I really liked yeah. what they were doing with Black Widow at the start of the film. I really liked. I don't know. I thought I thought Scarlett Johansson did a really good job playing this kind of broken, barely holding it together version of this character. It was just it was unlike anything we'd seen from her before. So, you know, I, I said in my review that the, the Avengers, certainly at the start of the movie, are the most human we've ever seen them. And I think that's a um, an example of that. And one of my favourite moments in the final battle is um, when Scarlet Witch turns up and just, you know, just pretty much crushes Thanos with her power. I've always liked Scarlet Witch, even like in the comics, and uh, I think she's done pretty well in the films as well. And so I thought that moment was really good from her. I mean, she doesn't really do anything else. Um She's it, not one of the original six, It is so. interesting though that like it seems that a lot of the superheroes that are the most powerful are female and yet for me, because I'm not I haven't read a lot like a lot of the comics and I don't know all of these backstories, I'm like, why is this the first or second time that I'm only just seeing them? Like why mm-hmm. have they not been here the whole time? Why have they not had their own movies? Why have they not been more like accessible why have they not been represented like stronger like it feels like they're a really major part of the mcu or they should be like in other areas but i'm just like why are they not why are they not present yeah i think i think it's largely to do with presumptive arrogance like on like on, 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 the, on the part of like the, the, the people who really like the productions of, of these things, because I think there, there's still an still assumption um, that a vast majority of, of the fan base for the comics and these films is, is male. And because of that, then because it's mostly guys watching the films, then they'll want to see films about, about guys. But I don't know, like, I just feel like if that's not how they were written, though, if they were written where they have created these really badass characters, why have they been left out for so long? Just because of what Andrew was saying, it's the yeah, it's the people making decisions high up in these companies that decide that for some reason these female superhero movies won't make money, um, which clearly isn't correct anymore because look at how much money Wonder Woman made, look how much money Captain Marvel made. I mean, as much as I had issues with it, it's very clear that there is people out there that want to see it. You know, people want to see Wonder Woman, people want to see this stuff. So it's starting to creep in. But I think um, there was an assumption on the Yeah, product. but it's starting to creep in because they're beginning to make them, not because yeah. like that's where the audience is. It's more about... You, you can't say, though, that back in, like, 10 years ago, if they had made 
one of these movies about one of the strongest characters that would have been successful. They could have easily have integrated these movies at the same pace as the the others. Well, there, like, no I just don't know why we're not seeing them now. There's no telling whether it would have been successful or not. But at that point, people weren't willing to take the risk. Um, and then people will draw on the, the examples of female-led superhero movies like Elektra or Catwoman, which are which weren't popular because they're crap. Yeah, but also what? Yeah, but are they? They're not Marvel, yeah, right? Is. is she? Ah, oh, well, that's disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> She's a Marvel character. Yeah, uh, uh, and Catwoman's a DC character, so you know that using them as yardsticks is not a good, not good way to do it because they're terrible. And then before that, oh, I don't know. I'm just a bit angry. I'm just a bit obviously because it just feels like the Supergirl movie, which wasn't popular because it too is terrible. So right. you know you're. Yeah, you, when you've got people not making very good movies that don't make money because they're not very good movies, you can't really use that as justification for it. Let's not make movies starring. Yeah, you know, well, it's just a shame because it seems like it seems like people who made the comics created some amazing, strong superheroes who happen to be female, and I just I'm a bit annoyed that they've not yeah, they've you, not been involved. Them, if you read how they were written. In the sixties and seventies and eighties and probably even today as well, you might think differently. There's I think that the tide's well. turning, and probably with all the groundwork, yeah, we've said that you know in in this MCU canon there hasn't been any um, standalone female-led movies, but I think that they're definitely going in the right direction now, yeah. and hopefully the audience that they've built now, because we know it's not just uh, men that are watching these. I think the audience is going to demand more, so hopefully in future we start to I'm see... the audience and I'm demanding more. Yeah, and I think there's lots of um, young girls and women who have enjoyed watching the Marvel movies and, and they are going to demand more from studios in the future, so I'm hoping that it will begin to change. Most of the questions we have for this podcast are from women. There you go. Interesting. So, do, yeah. do, is Scarlet Witch going to get like a movie? Uh, she, is getting she deserves a, a movie. Yeah. For sure, yeah. TV series. No, I don't want a mm. TV show though. Like those are always ass. Well said. Like I won't even. I won't even bring myself that. to like watch it. I just can't. I just yeah. can't even like. Even if there's one that looks semi interesting, I'm still just like, no, it's their TV shows and it's going to be trash. Well, I'm looking forward to the um, the Disney Plus output. They've got some interesting stuff on the go. The Scarlet Witch one is called WandaVision. So I think it's about her creating some kind of alternate reality of some sort. Um, that's that's the impression I get. But uh, it can be all right. But I don't, I don't know what films have got planned. I know there'll be a Captain Marvel too, because the first one made like a billion dollars, so they'll make another one. Mm. So you'll get that if you want that. Um, I'm sure there'll be others in the pipeline as well that we don't even know about. Because we well, can't announce anything because it was massive. Hear us speak. Give us more female-led superhero movies. And I think you will get that. Yeah. I think you will get that. Would have been better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So another question. Yeah. This one is from Bob. Do you think the Infinity Stone retrieval plan was the best possible one, or was there an easier way to do it? Also, is there going to be a Neil Before Blog slash pod class trip to New Asgard? Oh. 
New Asgard is an, about an hour away from Edinburgh. Is it actually? Yeah. yeah. Is it Saint actually? Ab- Saint Abs, yeah. <gasps> right. When are we going? Um, let's discuss that offline. Let's not, <laughs> listeners will hold us to. Oh, uh, but that would be that could be fun. I thought it looked like a lot of um, scenery where I grew up. So. Oh really? Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, that's well, Norway. <laughs> Well, they were referencing it by having a lot of Scottish stuff in the scene. You know, there was a uh, innocent gun. Next TK was knacking. Yeah, uh, a bottle of Iron Brew on the window. Iron side. Brew. Was there Iron Brew? There was. Iron Brew's made it to an Avengers movie. Yep. <laughs> That's exciting. Was it original <laughs> recipe or new recipe? That's the follows up the original. deep fried kebab from Infinity War. <laughs> <laughs> Some deep fried Mars bars. Yeah. So, Bob, there may be a class trip. Who knows? Uh, yes. I've Let's actually given it. a lot of thought to this Infinity Stone retrieval plan before I got asked the question, because that's what I do. I sit and think about stuff like this. Because it's much better than thinking about my real life, which is really horrible. So... Oh. <laughs> so, for the Let's take a turn. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. It's, I'm, st- I'm not laughing at you, Craig. I'm not laughing at you. You're not laughing at me. That's good. Uh, it was a joke. Just... Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> for the Tesseract, right. I came up with four better options. One, it could they could get it out of Asgard's vault while they were getting hold of the ether. Because that would be easier. It's just sitting there. Two, the bottom of the ocean, after it gets dropped down there in the, the first Captain America movie. Uh, the space oh base my God. in Marvel. Is it the sapphire from Titanic? Part oh, God. <laughs> I think it's more uh, in, endgame surpassing Titanic's box office record. Um. Also, there's Loki's secret base during Avengers. Hawkeye knows where that is. Could have went there. Mm. Um, no, so. but wait, 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 wait. I've got, I've got a reason for why they went back to that time. Don't they what? choose that time because that's where they go get their like red vials from? No, that was later. They no, that was a different time. They had to yeah. go and do that as Plan B. Yeah, because um, they screwed up Plan A. After a lucky absconded with the test fact the first time they tried it. Yeah. So what they could have done was just said, by the way, Thor and Rocket, can you just get the Tesseract while you're there so we can have a spare? That'd be all right. Um, you never know when you might need another Tesseract. Uh, the Mind Stone, the only easier thing I could think of to get hold of that was just when it was in Stark's Tower at the beginning of Age of Ultron. Could have just wandered in, grabbed it and left. Yep. No hassles there. Um, the Reality Stone go to the Collector's Museum sometime after the Dark World. It'd just be sitting there. Uh, Time Stone, just go and ask Doctor Strange at the beginning of Infinity War. He'd probably give it to you. No, you need Tilda Swinton to be like, ooh, <laughs> he must have given it for a reason. And then the Power Stone, any point in history that it happens to be in the temple, rather than the day that Chris Pratt turns up. Mm. So, there we go. The- right, right. But if you were a screenwriter, how would you do it? Oh, how they did it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, my, my version of the movie would be really boring because, because they would just get the stones. And then well, you think go. that they would just get the stone or it could be that you open up different possibilities and new problems. Yeah. You don't know because you're not there. Well, I like what? to think that uh, Doctor Strange saw your plan as part of his 14 million. <laughs> and then the soul stone, you're just buggered, dude. You... You have no chance, no choice when... I mean, it doesn't matter when you go and get that. It's the same outcome. Guys, that scene was pretty emotional. 
Well, that's also Sarah's question. Who would you rather die, Hawkeye or Black Widow? <laughs> quite a savage I, question. I thought there was a moment when they were both going to die. Because, like, because uh, Isaac's prediction at the start had been that Hawkeye was dying, and I was so convinced that that was true, I was like, that makes no sense. But then it also made me feel bad that I thought that because uh, Black Widow has no children, that it makes her more, like, dispensable. So then I felt really awful about that, too. But, um... Sarah but, also asked why Nebula didn't warn them what was going to happen. Because she knew. She knew what the cost was. I think that they go in, that they know that, right? No. No, no it seems like they only kind of so, have yeah. that conversation once they get there. Mm-hmm. It's lucky that they sent the two people. That I don't. I don't know. Friends. I don't think. Um, I don't think even Nebula knew exactly what the cost was. She, all she oh, knew was. Yeah. She all she knew back. was, yeah, Thanos came back. Gamora didn't. She didn't know that Gamora didn't come back because the the stone requires it. Mm. Um, I uh, whenever um, they gave Hawkeye the little miniature Milano, the the ship. I was like, oh, they're going to space. They're not going to kill the guy who has a family, so Nat's going to die. Mm-hmm. I knew in that moment Nat was going to die. Oh, totally. So, yeah. you know, so like then when they get to Vormir and they have the whole, no, I'm going to die. No, I'm going to die. No, I'm going to die. I felt robbed <laughs> of what should have been, you know, a a long moment where we get to like appreciate Nat for like giving herself up. But instead, like, Hawkeye had to be like, oh, no, it's going to be me. So then I was like, oh, okay, are we mourning him then? No, no, it's not. Okay, oh, no, wait, it's him. Like, there's just, like, at least two back and forths. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't like this. I felt that it robbed us of, like, properly mourning Natasha, uh, properly appreciating her sacrifice. And the fact that, like, she's giving her life, not just for, like, the half of the universe and blah, 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 but, like, for her friend so that he can go back to his family. And, like, instead, like, we get half a second of, like, the recycled theme with, the you know, that they used for Gamora, um, which, you know, like, it's a beautiful piece of music. But it's the same. And so it's like, oh, okay, same feelings, but, like, shorter scene and, like, less less gravitas somehow. Just, like, I don't know. It just it felt cheap, and I was very disappointed in this scene. Very, I, very and, disappointed. And, and, and another thing that they could, 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 have done, could have done that moment was, yeah, well, because I think, I think another another reason why, why they decided that, that, um, that Natasha was, was the one who, who was to sacrifice herself was... Because I think it was intended as a culmination of of the road to redemption in which she'd been putting herself on. Because it is it, it harks back like to to the the original Avengers movie when she talks about uh, about having read in her ledger and her her need to atone for all all the terrible things that she that she's done in her in her life. Mm-hmm. And I think that moment of sacrifice like, would have been better if if that had actually been acknowledged and she'd actually said, "This is why this needs to be me." But not only for for allowing Hawkeye to go back to his family, but also uh, making her. Or sacrifice like about, about about her as well, like not just about Hawkeye. I feel like it's hinted that though, like that whole path, like she's much more like willing. But I have to be honest, Cat, like I felt really differently about that scene because I was so convinced it was Hawkeye. Like mm. the whole time, I was I was so like because I just really believed that the people I was with knew, like just would have known, like had read more or just knew more what was happening. 
So I was like convinced it was Hawkeye, and that's why I was like, "Whoa, this is pretty tense." And then I thought, oh, "Maybe, maybe one of them's wrong. Maybe they got it wrong. Maybe it's both mm. of them. Maybe it's like Black Widow." And uh, and I don't know. I kind of enjoyed it, and it was kind of like one last little, like it was like one last little dance for them to have. Oh, <laughs> that's kind of sweet. I wish, I, honestly, I wish I had. I had the same reaction. Like, I was so disappointed in the moment as I was watching it that, like, like, I don't know, like, it just, like, diminished my enjoyment of, like, the rest of it. I was, like, so aware of, like, the artificial nature of the scene. Like, I was aware that my Mm. feelings were being played with. And, yeah, like, honestly, I wish I didn't know that. <laughs> it's it's not a good time, I have to say. Yeah, no, I thought it, I, I did enjoy that scene just because it kept me sort of, like, on edge. Like, it played mm. me well. Like, it, it yeah. But um, I'm with you on not having a funeral for her, but then I'm like, well, did they not do that because someone somewhere is convinced can be brought back? I mean, you could see the the following scene where they're all sitting by the lake, sort of lamenting the loss of her as her funeral, in a way. And maybe that's you know, Mm-mm. maybe that's the best thing. No, unless them. it's um, unless it's directly addressed, it's not. When they're in the when they're at the lake, they're lamenting the loss of Tony. Nat is nowhere mentioned. No, there I mean, at the no point scene. is there like a uh, once which earlier back, scene? The, Sorry, when Hulk scene. chucks the bench. Yeah, that one. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, like the two seconds of where's Nat? Oh, <laughs> like she didn't make it. Oh, cool. That's, yeah, sure. That's equally as important and big as Tony getting, like, an entire funeral of people, like, sitting around with, like, flowers and solemn looks and black clothes. That is not the same, friends. I'm sorry. I'm gonna, no. I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like it's a shame because they could have... At Tony's funeral, they could have easily discussed who they've lost and who hasn't made it. And it's really strange because it doesn't make sense for them to really have done that when the universe is still in jeopardy and they haven't resolved everything. So they can't really Mm -hmm. do it any point before Tony has been the hero. Mm. But it is weird that she's, like, totally omitted, like... Yeah, it's kind of rude. You do get uh, someone asking if she had any family, and Cap saying, "Yeah, us." That, that was yeah, and that's like, but that's like, that's even worse. That's like super sad because it's like, yeah, us. We're the only people, and we didn't even do like a memorial for her. I mean, it's it's not it's not a clear, at least to me, whether um, Nebula knew what the cost of the Soul Stone was. I think you could read into it either way. But I wonder mm. if you know, I wonder if it'd be cool if we'd seen a flashback to a scene where. Nat and Nebula have a conversation about what's going to need to happen here. You know, where Nebula's uh, been looking at these, observing these people for five years. Like so she's she identified knows. these guys, they're best friends. This is the only, these are the only people that can go and get the Soul Stone. Because everyone else ain't that close. You know, let's send War Machine mm. and Ant-Man, no one cares. It's like, oh sorry, you're not getting the Soul Stone, turns out you didn't like him. Uh, but does it always have to be a person? Yeah, it has to, be, yeah. It has to be your a person. And it has to be someone you, f- yeah. It has to be a person, a person and feel like you have to ha- have feelings for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a soul okay. for a soul. Yeah. So you could have this. Yeah. You could have this moment where Nebula says to her, 
you know, I know that you get what sacrifice is, I know that you're willing to do what it takes, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to this point, and when it comes to, it comes to the, okay, right, who gets to die here? And then Nat could say something like, I've drank poison, so it's me. And then that decision's already made before they get there. And I think that would have been a better version of that scene. I mean, that was just me thinking about it. But then, but can you do that? Like, that sounds almost like you're cheating your way to the soul stone. Because I feel like if you were to, I don't know, if you were to go there having done something like that and then give yourself over to it, I don't know if... Well, Hawkeye didn't sacrifice her. She she sacrificed herself. So it's the same thing, really. Mm, Okay. I mean, Thanos threw Gamora off the edge. You know, mm. he made that decision. He made that choice yeah. to lose her, but mm-hmm. they chose to lose themselves. You yeah. know, oh, I thought it was beautiful. And their their like relationship, like on screen, like I used to get really annoyed by it, but in this movie, I don't know. I just thought it was really beautiful. I also thought Hawkeye was pretty hot in this movie. No Hulk hot this time. <laughs> Hulk hot? No Hulk Hawkeye hot. hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like Hawkeye, Hawkeye in these hot. movies. I, I really like Jeremy Renner. I think he's oh, I liked him in this one for sure. Movie. And I also like the idea that like, he's lost he's lost his family and he doesn't like the fact that there are still terrible people that survived the snap. So he's just And it's still ridiculously good looking. <laughs> so yeah, the idea um, he's just getting rid of all the bad people that uh, he feels deserves to have been killed more than his family. That was I mean, it's an overreaction, but it's a really good overreaction. Oh yeah, because they have like that time period when they're in like Japan, right? Yeah. I remember it like at the start, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Did anyone else like lose their shit when like there was a second nebula? I lost my shit, but not in a good way. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh my god. Yeah, I Mm. was meaning like not in like a, oh yeah, this is amazing. I just was like, Mm. what? Yeah, like, like how come she I, can exist I really, too? Mm. How come she can exist as too though? How come they can bring her back from her timeline into the current one, and yet everyone else stays in their own same way that timeline? Captain America can fight himself and then yeah. admire his own ass? But like, couldn't they then though have just brought people from that timeline into the future timeline? Well, that's possibly how they're going to get Gamora back. And Black Widow. Or can uh, they no. not? Because, like, legit, well, you, because of what's you'd be happened. Robbing, you'd be robbing another reality of a Black Widow. So, that, that creates a problem. Oh, it doesn't make any sense. I can't, it hurts my head, like, legit trying to think about it. Because <laughs> yeah. I can't, I'm, like, forever chasing, like, oh, but if you do that, then that's going to happen. Just think of every time they time travel as an alternate reality. It has no I can't, though, because it hurts my head. Part of the spiel earlier in the film, when they were discussing, like, like what, what the rules of the time travel that that they were using was going to be uh, part of that. Like, what was establishing, like that they weren't uh, they weren't going to be doing anything to, anything to do with paradoxes at all. Like, like just to, just to make like those past interactions with their other selves uh, more more straightforward. Yeah, it's just the idea that it's an alternate reality, so anything goes. Um, so they go and screw up someone else's universe for a bit, and then come back. It's basically the Star Trek reboot rules of time travel. Although the discussion about all the, the time travel movies that they've seen was quite funny. Hmm. Uh, you know, all of these are wrong. And then, you know, Ant-Man's like, Die Hard! No, that's not time travel. 
Yeah, it turns out Rhodey's a bit of a film buff. <laughs> it turns out, yeah. What else are you going to do when you're on deployment in some <laughs> dusty country, I suppose? <laughs> or he's had five years to catch up on his films. Where, yeah. Yeah. Where nothing's been going on. They're not making any new movies because half of everybody's dead. So there's, you know, there's, there's hardly any new films. They're just slapping an Audi badge on the old ones. <laughs> yeah, I suppose we've got a number of questions on the time travel thing, actually. Kat, you had one that was pretty definitive, so it'd be good to cover that. Uh, well, I've, I collected a couple of questions that were, like, about the paradoxes. Yeah. So one of them was the Nebula one, which we've asked about already. Basically, like, my, my issue with this whole time travel thing is that... Because it doesn't exist, slash isn't possible, slash science hasn't exactly found a way to, like, properly address, like, the paradox. Like, it is it is a purely fictional thing. And, of course, you know, you can set up whatever rules you like. But this movie, like, doesn't even remotely try to address the issue of paradoxes. Uh, uh, Banner gets one throwaway line of, oh yeah, don't worry about it, because basically, like, it's all locked in, right? Like, it's all gonna happen anyway, so, like, you go back in time, you do the thing, and then that becomes the new reality, so, like, we're good. And, like, then that's it. So then, by the end of the film, there's, like, I, I want to say, like, at least a dozen things that we've all mentioned through this conversation. There's, like, wait, wait a minute, then what about this? But none of it matters, and none of it's addressed, and, and it's all like the new reality, right? So it's like, j- just, uh, it really frustrates me, because this is a three-hour-long film, and for some reason, like, d- none of these effects, like, remotely concern us um, during the narrative. It's all just kind of like, well, we're, we're going to leave you with all your questions, bye! And I, yeah... One of the one of the key reasons that I'm disappointed with this film is that like you know if you're gonna do time travel like do it do it right like address it make this be the thing not just like I don't know use the time travel as a device to bring in cameos of people and just kind of go woohoo yay remember that guy yay I love that guy um, just like I don't know. A, a terrible use of, of time and time travel. That's my rant over. I like the use of time travel. I, I quite like the the idea that so you can't change anything, so that maintains your current timeline. That doesn't change. Um, mm. So you can go back and, you know, you can go back and you can visit all these different time periods and you don't have them impact each other because they're not the same timeline. That's fine. I quite like that. It just means that it means the characters don't have to be that careful, um, which, which is nice, I suppose. And there is a bit of Back to the Future 2 about it. You know, they're running about in the background of their own their own histories, which is quite funny. You get to see a bit of a, a different perspective on the, the aftermath of the Battle of New York. Uh, actually, one of the questions from um, uh, from Mark is, uh, is the trip in the trip to the battle, Back to the Battle of New York, why was the Tesseract turned over to Thor to take back to Asgard, but not the Scepter? Even though they didn't know it was a Mind Stone, it was still alien technology. Which, actually, mm-hmm. I, I kind of thought of that at the time. It was like, yeah, the, it seemed to be pretty, Thor seems to be pretty okay, despite the fact that the whole thing in Age of Ultron was, I need the Scepter back, give me the Scepter back. Uh, I'll have a party and stuff, but I'm taking the Scepter back. Um, so they just let let it be handed over to S.H.I.E.L.D. 
well, shield, comma, Hydra uh, at that point, which was a bit strange. Although, and it was good to see Alexander Pierce again, uh, you know, and uh, a callback to the elevator scene and all that kind of stuff. That, that was nice stuff. Nice touch. Um, you know, it's, it's funny that they picked uh, Thor The Dark World to go back to, considering that's one of the unpopular ones. Um, yeah. But even then, I liked Thor's scene with his mother, um, so that kind of justified that. Um, I think that that film could have contained a scene between Thor and his mother. That would have worked. No, that would have been good. But we'll get it eventually, I suppose. So the, the time travel rules, I think for mo- the most part, they stick to them. Although I'm not sure about the returning them to the original point in time, because surely you're just creating another reality where you've returned whatever Infinity Stone you stole. Also, I'm wondering what would happen when Cap sees the Red Skull again. Hi, I'm here to give you back the soul. So- Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you're that German crazy guy I was fighting like 70 years ago. My God. How have you been? It's been 70 years. <laughs> <laughs> you've just been up this mountain this whole time? Oh, well, that's a short conversation. Here's your stone back. Uh, so yeah, the, there's almost an entire film of, well I don't really want to see it of Cap flying through different realities, returning stones to see what happens there um, just to see what the mechanics of that are so but I think up until that point it's really consistent with its rules because it is, we go there, we steal this reality stone, then we come back and then we have to take that stone back because we, we just have to um, for reasons so I was fine with it uh, time travel wise, it was it was quite a fun collection of sequences for me. How did everyone enjoy all the like parent chat? Because I have to say, some of those moments were super beautiful. Was well, not Tony talking to his dad? Tony talking to his dad. Thor getting to like see his mother, and yeah. she's all like, "I'm a witch. Like I can see this fine." No, I thought like some of it was like super. I think that that was part of why why they decided right to to simplify the time travel rules of of what they were doing was so they didn't have to concern themselves like with altering the future or create, creating paradoxes. Um, then that that left them uh, more space like to to have character moments instead of, instead of ones specifically relating to like to the consequences of time travel. Yeah, and I did like Tony's uh, chat with his dad. Um, at that point, I knew he was he was going to die because that's the kind of last thing he needs to resolve is the issues he has with his dad, and he was able to do that through through talking to him. I also thought it was quite funny that they had uh, the John Slattery version of Howard Stark uh, with uh, James Darcy as Jarvis. It was a weird TV film merge there. Um, although the Russos did create the Agent Carter TV series, so. Or they were involved in it anyway. All right, I didn't so, realize that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure one of them directed a bunch of episodes. Um, so, but uh, that's the only TV cameo we got. <laughs> uh, Which a, one? Uh, James Darcy, uh, Howard Stark's butler, the, or well, the guy. That no, there's him. there's two at least. Sure. Okay. Go on. Are they not both from Community? Oh. From MCU. Yeah. V. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, I would have thought we'd got a Coulson cameo somewhere, considering how important he was to Phase 1, but never mind. Mate, he's uh, just appeared all digitised in Captain Marvel, so, like, yeah. not... That's true, but still. The more mm-hmm. Coulson, the better, as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, 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 and it would have been nice to see the record. See, like, maybe, like, 
see the Avengers reaction to him and be like, hang on, you're still alive. Yeah. Oh, well. Not anymore. It wasn't to be. Um, so time travel. Uh, I think there's there's quite a few questions about yeah how does how does a uh, Nebula kill herself? It's like yeah it's because it's not she's not killing herself she's killing an alternate version of herself. Is it suicide? Well, it's not. It's not alternate though. Like it's the older version. So like if the older version is dead, how does the the like more recent how version? How does she not die? Yeah. Well, it's like Back to the Future. They say it's not Back to the Future, so that doesn't happen because. Yeah, because they're, the the, they're not from the same timeline anymore because it's been changed by them travelling through time. So, um, <sighs> it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Doesn't power, make any sense. <laughs> you just have it to doesn't. accept it. It's just like yeah. when uh, when Hulk finishes um, zapping Scott back and forward into the future, into his own future, and then, you know, they finally succeed at it and he just exclaims, Time travel! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also Tony just invented it in an afternoon, yeah. and that's it. That's what Tony Stark does. Just spends an afternoon working on time travel. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> um. Why not? But yeah, no. I, yeah, I don't. I don't find the time travel confusing. Actually, like, I don't know. The the whenever a duplicate's created, that duplicate has nothing to do with the original. Um, cause they're from yeah, but time. how is that? But like, oh, but that's the thing. Like, what? How is? <laughs> Whatever. I don't even want to start trying to like think so about it you're confused. Hurt. I'll draw a chart for someone one day. <laughs> Can I just say, as an aside, because uh, Natalie mentioned it, and I think that it's it's worth mentioning. I love the community cameos. I was really happy, like for for Yvette Nicole Brown, and for Russo himself, like you know, and <laughs> and that whole thing of like, um, and and Ken Jeong, of course, um, um, yeah, like it was just like it was really nice as a as a add on to like Abed's cameo, like from, um. Yeah, like um, which was it? I think it was Winter Soldier. Yeah, Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the one of the people sitting in the back door of the Shield facility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Russo cameo is the first openly gay character in the MCU. I know, and it's. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna use bad language because I know you don't like cursing on this podcast. But it's um, insert bad language word here. <laughs> um, it's yeah i mean for like two minutes like after the after the film ended i was like yeah so like you know he went on a date dude that's kind of cool um and then i was like wow those are the breadcrumbs we get i see (laughs) (laughs) that's it yeah, actually, and, and uh, yeah. before I saw the film, when I was thinking about there there being mentioned about about the first like open, openly openly gay character, in in I I actually thought that that uh, that, that was that was going to be Carol, mm. but uh, but um, apparently not. No, we, right. Uh, well, I mean, the argument could be made with that new haircut. Um... I, I was thinking that. Yeah, I was getting some seriously butch vibes from here. <laughs> yep, yep. Carol comes yeah. back with like the most lesbian haircut of all time, yeah. and it's like, well, if anybody had any doubts, let them be appeased right now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that girl's gay. Is, uh, giving her a run for her money. Yes. That, was a, that was one of Dagmara's questions. 
Why does mm. Captain Marvel have stru- such a stupid haircut? It's not stupid, honey. It's just gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she looks cute. But also, yeah. I feel bad because uh, the whole, like, yeah, it went past me, him being gay. And so um, I was like... I was it's like, a what? blinking you. It's a blinking you'll miss it moment. It really is, yeah. My friend. I just was. Well, I just was a bit like, like I don't know. I feel like if that's what they were gonna do. Well, yeah, know. because it's breadcrumbs. Because it's nothing. It's nothing really. You know, like oh, like offhandedly mentioning that, like oh yeah, the the person I went on a date with is off the same sex. Wow, revolution. Um, you know, like it's it's. Yeah, my friend who I went to see the film with, she didn't realize that that's what had happened, you know? Like, she was focused on, like, the emotions of what was happening in the scene and, like, mm. the whole group therapy aspect of it. Um, and she didn't really register that the guy said he'd been on a date with a dude. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I think that's what they were banking on, you know? Like, it's it's all it all happens off camera. You don't see anything on screen. Um, so, you know, it's like, oh, wow, openly gay. I mean... Sure, I suppose. <laughs> I guess. Well, I suppose that the fact that it just came up naturally in conversation is in itself all right. You know, it's not yeah, about... Yeah, it's um, just that it's breadcrumbs, yeah. yeah. It's just that it's, you know, like, it's all right. It's kind of cool, you know, for a couple of minutes after the film ended, I was like, oh, and we got a gay character. Yeah. It's not that he matters in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> in another 10 but, or 11 yeah. years, there'll be a big battle where, um, at some point, all the openly gay superheroes team up together. <laughs> Well, <laughs> at this point <laughs> well if you um, if you watch Thor Ragnarok and then read an interview with like Kevin Feige then you'll find mm. out that Valkyrie is bisexual I mean there are, there are trace elements of that in the film um, and there had been uh, a scene where a woman comes out of Valkyrie's room uh, implying that they'd slept together um, which was cut which they did film but then they cut it um and yeah i mean the the whenever valkyrie's like fighting uh hella and there's this blonde woman and she's like dying and valkyrie like looks devastated yeah. um it's you know it's again previously i think they'd shot some stuff that implied that that woman was like her lover um which didn't make it into the film. I obviously, you know, like as a queer person who like looks for those breadcrumbs, I was like, oop, I'm sensing a thing. Um, you know, like you, you, you pick up on the things cause like you're, you're so thirsty for any sort of representation that you're like, yeah. wait, did she look at another woman? Could that be? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's baby, baby steps. And I suppose it's better than nothing. Yeah, um, but it is looking at the scene that could be our mm, best friend. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, like it's easily, and it's the same with Carol. You know, like uh, on the one hand, like that relationship between her and Maria and Captain Marvel, I think to me, like reads incredibly gay. But at the same time, women are really close friends with each other like this and you could you know just have a super close friendship and that not being gay so like yeah like that's why it's just out there in the open and that you know as a side note because it's not a conversation for this podcast but uh, it, it kind of goes back through um 
like kind of like queer slash lesbian history of how like lesbianism was never like properly like outlawed like even in the uk where it was like against the law to be a homosexual man until like the 80s or something um and you could be prosecuted and thrown into jail but like for lesbians that was never the same uh because there's always that idea of like oh they're just friends oh they're just roommates oh they just live together you know and and it's not it it goes back like hundreds and hundreds of years so like it, it's full circle comes back into the MCU <laughs> in the same exact way. Uh, but it's not a conversation for this podcast. Cause like we could talk about that for, for ages. So yeah. I feel like Marvel are really good at like, just really portraying like really strong friendships though. Like that's true. I didn't, like I didn't get that from Captain Marvel kind of like how I don't read Hawkeye and Black Widow's relationship as anything sexual. Mm-hmm. Like even if I wanted it to be. But, like, I don't, like, I just think of them as being, like, just really close friends. And I just feel like... Yeah, and I just feel like they do that. They did that with, like, Captain Marvel and that girl. Forget her name. What's her name? There's a lot of discussion on uh, Steve and his his boyfriends (laughs) across his films. You know, Sam and Bucky. Mm Mm-hmm. But it is, it's just because, like... They, they think they showcase, like, strong friendships and what, like, it doesn't have to be romantic. And I think that's one of the things I really appreciate about Hawkeye and Black Widow is that, like, most movies hint or have to have, like, some sort of relationship established between a boy and a girl and it can't be anything, like, mm. platonic. Well, there's, there's said about not shoehorning in love stories to every single film. Yeah. Well, the thing is, though, is, like, they do that really well because... Like, I can't think of I can't think of anything else at the top like at this moment. But there's definitely like other movies where they have to hint back at anything between like those opposite sex, and it's like kind of nice that they don't do that. Well, if you look at like Cap and Black Widow, for example, like Winter Soldier, their interaction is very much about them becoming friends. Yeah, know each other up until that point, but they actually become friends in that film. And you have the bit where they have to kiss each other because they have to hide from people that are chasing them, and you know everybody has fun with that. But, uh, but broadly speaking, it's about them becoming friends, and then their friendship is it carries through right up until Endgame. So you know there's never a, a romantic component to it, and I mean I'm always the first to be like, why is there a, why is there a pointless love story in this film? Um, <laughs> and most like most superhero films have them. Um, certainly up until a certain point and it's just it's just tiresome because most of the time it's just it's just in there and it doesn't need to be yeah so. I think they think that that's what an audience wants and it's like actually I think Marvel are in this space where they can yeah you need to have your hero stuff. you need to have your love interest you need to have the villain you yeah to, yeah you don't always need all of those components in a love story if it makes sense I think the cap and Peggy love story is retroactively more interesting than it actually is in his first film because of the you know separated by hundreds of years not hundreds of years decades thing but in the actual film itself it's a pretty pedestrian love story it's just kind of had extra weight added to it over the years and i suppose the the tony and pepper love story you know is i guess that's quite a, a mature relationship so to speak it, it works because you know it's, it's always kind of there but they never usually focus on it i don't know 
How did we get on to this? <laughs> life, Craig. Life, just life. Finds a way. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> nice. Life finds a way, yeah. Yeah. I feel like we've not discussed the movie, but also it's like time. You <laughs> <laughs> mean time to discuss it or time to. Time to wrap things. I don't know, we've probably got like a hundred more questions. <laughs> There are some. There are some. Like, there's definite themes uh, among the questions. We haven't really talked about Cap's ending, so we do have a question about Cap's. Oh, mate. Um, the simple question from Vicky is: How do you feel about Cap hanging over the shield to Falcon? Um, I really like that. I think it's. I mean, it's what happens in the comics, but that's not automatically. Doing the what? I didn't hear that part. Sorry. Cap handing over the shield to Falcon. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, it makes sense. I like the conversation they had about it, where he's like, well, I'm not ready to be Captain America, but I'll give it a go. And he's like, yep, that's why it's you. And it was a great moment. I'm not sure why Bucky didn't pop over for a chat, though. That was weird. Mm, it's like, yeah. oh, there he is. Sam, you talk to him. Yeah, I don't want to talk to him. Mm-hmm. I read a really interesting article about um, like white saviors in movies. Like, mm. when it comes to uh, like black characters in films and how a lot of storylines feel like like white yeah white heroes are like written in to be a voice box or um someone to like authenticate a story and after I read that article it made me think about that scene where I was like why like I don't know, and maybe I shouldn't have been reading about it like that, but it just felt like those two things had coincided, and I just was thinking about how it's like Captain America being like, okay, I, I'm now bestowing this upon you, you know, like I'm now giving this, you know, it just made me think of that article, but then I couldn't really read it as not this engineered uh, decision to try and appear to be like a particular way. That's one way to think about it, but what I liked about it was how he hands him the shield and asks him how it feels. Sam says, like, it belongs to someone else. And then Cap says, it doesn't. And that's like, you know, even though he doesn't feel like he's ready or it doesn't feel like it, this is his to, to take on, he's, you know, being told that he is ready and that he, he is worthy almost. This is his moment of being able to wield Mjolnir. It'd almost be worse if, if Sam had been like, yep, I can do this. <laughs> because it's, you know, that would be kind of arrogant presumption on his part, wouldn't it? It would just be, you think you're, yeah, you think you're this kind of paragon of virtue that I'm known as? This is weird. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying like Cap sees himself that way, but people do definitely see him that way. Um, so I don't, yeah, I, th- I think that, that Sam accepting it with humility uh, was the right, was the right call. Because yeah, you know, he has to think- go into that role. Yeah, and he, he definitely, I mean, even in just sort of a small character moment, he definitely really portrays the the weight of responsibility, but also um, the honour, I think, of of being handed the, the shield. Yeah, well, and, and the reason that I quite like the moment was, I agree like, with the other thoughts that everyone else has had, but and it also acknowledges... Like the the idea of the idea of Captain America, like of, of like being 
like, like, uh, rather than be, rather than being a person, like, it's like an, an ideal, it's like like a, ma- a mantle that, that somebody wears to portray something to for people to aspire towards. And the fact that the that, that sound says that Lee doesn't doesn't feel ready for it is is pretty is pretty much like, like the, the whole the whole idea of it. Because the idea of Captain America like, is is something that the people that people people try to be rather than uh, they ever ever actually attain or or believe believe that they they ever could. Because if you think about it, Steve didn't see himself that way in the beginning. He saw himself as just some guy that wanted to help out with the war effort. You know, he wanted to do his part, so to speak. But um, you know, people attach this kind of weight to him because well, he becomes this historical figure that's kind of yeah, celebrated throughout history and then he comes back and he represents certain things and you know he, he's generally has his has a self point in the right direction he doesn't make always the best decisions like lying to tony about who killed his dad for example but you know he does what he can and i think yeah i think sam well you don't know much about his morality to be honest but i think he would have you certainly learn from the best. I don't know. I, li- I like it. I like it. Um, I like that it's him and not Bucky. Um, I don't know that Bucky, that MCU Bucky would make a, a remotely good Captain America. So I'm I'm glad it's Sam because Sam is is the the good candidate here. Uh, I didn't like the scene, um, and it it. It was awfully contrived and in a way like kind of ignored the relationship both between Sam and um, Steve, but also Bucky and Steve, which we kind of touched about touched on a little bit. Um, you know, like it, it's, it's just kind of like, well, you know, like, here you go. And also, you know, do you want to tell me about this thing? Mm, no, I won't. Like. All right, you guys were friends, like you were fugitives together. But instead, just like like I don't know, it feels impersonal. It feels kind of void of of character somehow. You know, it's just kind of like, well, like here's the baton. Good luck. All right, thank you. And I suppose we'll we'll have. I'm happy that we get Sam Cap America movies now. Probably, um, I'm excited about that because he's cool and I like him. Um, but yeah, the scene was terrible and I hated it. The end. <laughs> I feel like, like there's a pattern here. Like yeah, all of you are like excited and like, oh, I love this. Yeah. Like it was really sweet. And I'm like, no, it was garbage. Here's <laughs> <laughs> why it sucked. No. And why you're all wrong. <laughs> it's not, it's not that you're wrong, but like, I, yeah, like, I don't know. I've only seen it the once. I've only seen the midnight screening, so I haven't gone back. So I don't know if watching it a second time will soften my reaction somewhat. Um, but I, the, the longer I've had to like, think about it, the more like my, my opinions have kind of cemented into this, like, well, you know, from, mm, I'm not sure I like this to, yeah, no, I definitely don't like this. Um, so yeah, and that's not not necessarily a great thing. I have to say, I really wanted to like this movie and everything about it, but the only here we are. I really have with that scene is so Cap would have to return to his own reality somehow. So yeah. you know, how did he get from the 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 glass floor that they were standing on? How did he the stay there? Nobody noticing. 
Oh, my my big my bigger issue here is that we're expected to believe that Steve Rogers, who cannot like watch a butterfly go by or like, you know, two kids fighting without stepping in. So he's <laughs> gone back in time to the 40s, married Peggy, and then what? Was a secret husband and like did not go outside and did not like get involved in life and like you know try to stop wars like he didn't go to like vietnam like you know like i'm sorry but you expect me to believe that steve rogers would sit idly by and not like be captain america i'm sorry but no (laughs) what Uh, if he was the cause of those wars Hmm? he could have been the cause of vietnam that would be very interesting um (laughs) Maybe this is what he wants to talk about because he's like actually a fuck. Like he got to have love, but that was Mm. it. That would be very interesting, but I don't know. I don't know that there's any implication in the film that that happened. Uh, But it would be interesting. I was kind of okay with it because I think we've gotten to the. Steve had gotten to the point where he was like, right, I'm out of the fight now. That's it. I've had enough. I'm going to have something of my own. And then what he does is he goes back to the forties, lives his happy ever after with Peggy, which is great. It's a perfect ending for him. But he can do that knowing that history will tick along as long as he doesn't interfere with it in a way that's fine. He knows how it turns out. So he knows that at some point he'll be thawed out and, and everything will play out the way it does. Um or it'll get to the point where Peggy goes senile and dies. That'll be a bit rough on him, but um I mean, other than that, this is the just... bit that confused me though, because like I didn't get how he stayed and lived like a full life. What does he do when he comes back when she's dead? Like, maybe yeah. Um, is that why he's like, oh, okay, I can go back now? Because what if he died first and he never goes back? Well, th- mm. That's always a risk. Um, I guess he wasn't caring about the risk. Like, I don't know. I thought it was nice that he goes back and he gets to, like, have that timeline with her. But I'm like, would it not, not have made sense to just uproot them both and have them both living in the future? Because that would have been cute. Imagine yeah. them being young and in the yeah. 21st century and then it could have been, like, California Man all over again. <laughs> <laughs> I also, like, like what about Peggy? Like, what about Peggy creating S.H.I.E.L.D.? Because, like, if she gets Steve, would she create S.H.I.E.L.D.? For the same reasons? Because, like, she created S.H.I.E.L.D. because he wasn't there anymore. So, like, I don't know. I don't know that we would still get that same timeline. Well, does he not? Would he not encourage it? Would he not tell her, like, oh, this is what you're going to do? Oh, maybe, wait, wait a minute, maybe she only ever created it because he went back in time to tell her to create it. Yeah, Is this what that time, time future travel we've got? Is that how it happens? <laughs> I was going to say, I, I don't think that, that she created S.H.I.E.L.D. Really because, because Steve wasn't there. I think, I think it, was, it was also partly to, so that she would be remembered as something other than just Captain America's girlfriend. But was like, she even like, going out with him before he disappeared? Well, sort of. Kind of. Yeah. That's when I was talking about how the the love story is more interesting after the film that it's actually featured in. Because the actual film doesn't spend that much time on it and doesn't do much with it. Um, 
It, it depends when he decides to rejoin the timeline, I suppose. If he goes when she's already director of S.H.I.E.L.D., then it's already created and, and he doesn't have to worry about the reasons behind oh, it. I just was so confused as to how he was able to come back as an old man. Like, I have to be honest, by that time, because I, again, like, only saw it the midnight showing, when it got, gets this point of story, I was like, why is this not over yet? Like, why do we have to... Mm. And then they linger on, like, the gold ring on his finger. Like, it's like I saw it the first time. You don't have to, like, do a slow motion sequence with it again. Like, I got what you're implying. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> like, I can see that. But I don't know. I don't know how the time travel works. And it's just kind of, like, bumming me if I think about it. Here's a... I've figured out a sort of easy-ish way to explain it. So you've seen the Star Trek reboot, right? No. <laughs> I've heard it's really good. We did a I've podcast really... on it. It was our first. <laughs> the reboot? What TV show? No, the TV the, show? No, the film. With Chris Pine. I saw... The one. Oh, the one with my favourite. Carl Urban. Yeah. Yeah, that one. <laughs> I yeah, the Carl. one with Carl Urban. Yeah. Okay. Right. Sorry, I was thinking you meant like the TV show, and I was like, I don't have time for that right now. Sorry. The explanation I was going for was in that film, <laughs> yes. the old yeah. version of Spock, played by Leonard Nimoy, travels back yeah. in time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when he arrives mm-hmm. in that present day, or when in the film right. present day, he is there, mm-hmm. as is another version of himself who's way younger. Spock continues uh-huh. to live in that timeline, but it doesn't affect his old one. Uh, I can't think of any what. We're definitely yeah. in the end game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but don't they say I mean, like speaking of this is dragging. <laughs> it is, and I feel like we've not even discussed like the movie. Oh wait, time stone. And we're back at the beginning. <laughs> Here was me. That was a perfect perfectly easily understandable explanation, but there it goes. <laughs> Message me it. Let me think about it. <laughs> draw, draw a diagram. In words, I can't think about it di- yeah, when you tell diagram. me. There will be lines, and then intersecting lines. Wait, do it, please do it. I look forward to that. <laughs> yeah, so so Cap's ending—it's divisive, at least on this podcast. I loved it. I thought it was it was perfect for him. I couldn't see another way of him ending other than continuing on being the leader of the Avengers, which. Well, it's a bit difficult because Chris Evans doesn't want to do these films anymore. I thought he was going to die. Mm. That's also what I, I thought he was going to die. I thought both him, yeah, both him and Iron so. Man, and like together. Oh, that would be beautiful. Sure, but no, I meant, I meant like in the battle. I meant you know, <laughs> like die in a spectacular way. You oh. know, the way the way that Iron Man did, perhaps with Iron Man, like together, like it, it would take two people to do this. Like I don't know. I thought it was it was going to be like, yeah. One provides the thumb, the other provides the middle finger. <laughs> if you'd asked yeah. me in the first five minutes who was going to die, I would have said Iron Man only because I thought he was going to die at the very start of the movie. I thought they were going to just yeah. kill him like really, like really, like plainly, like oh, because like that could be, that could happen. But, um, yeah, well, he does not die. <laughs> no, he doesn't. I feel like I have to say this in every podcast. I'm all about Tiny Tim. <laughs> <laughs> 
Someone please say it. Go say it. No. Say it, please. No. Okay. Well, I wait. I was saying in my head. Um, I lost track of what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually thought Cap would die in the battle as well. I actually thought it was that was it when um you know when he was knocked on his ass and then he he got up and he like fastened the shield or what was left of it and was facing down Thanos's entire army on his own. I thought that was it. I actually thought that was going to be it. Um, but you're wrong. Well, obviously. But you think? <laughs> oh wait, I wasn't paying attention at all. Um, also, like, who gives a shit if he gives his shield away? Like, he doesn't need it anymore if he's got me on her. So, like, but he put that back as well. Why? He earned it. He works hard for his money. He earned everything. <laughs> Because he earns everything. That reality store needs his Mjolnir. Meow meow. Yeah. You earn everything. So what, what about it, Thor? Thor is we've never seen him before, as Angus said. Oh, <laughs> uh, I read another article about this. <laughs> Just keep reading articles. Like somebody was saying that they were really, really, really upset that fat shaming had made its way into like the latest Marvel movie. And I have to be honest, I really disagreed with it because I don't think they're fat-shaming at all. I think it was big, big guys can mm. be Thor too. It's inspirational. Yeah. But also, I don't know, I think it's like showing you that he has given up and he has... Well, I say that. He looks like he's kind of happy, but obviously he's got like some PTSD that he's not dealing with but you know he's just kind of like taken a step back and gone actually I don't know I don't need to be at the forefront of everything I can be you know that guy that just hides out in my house with my pals and plays computer games it's good to know that even gods can have bad half decades too <laughs> yeah I would say yeah. yeah it seems to be the the Asgardian PTSD coping mechanism is drinking a lot because that's what Valkyrie did. Yeah. I just think it's like, it's just his way of becoming human. Like, of having, you know, these bad habits, like unhealthy coping mechanisms. You know, he's dealing with a lot of loss. And it, like, this article was just talking about how, like, it was, he was like the butt of everyone's jokes, but I didn't really see him like that. What did you guys think? He kind of usually is the butt of everyone's jokes, whether he's ripped or, or as he was in Endgame, though. Like, people are always laughing at Thor. Or maybe mm. that's just me that's always laughing at Thor. Probably. <laughs> um, we've all had the conversation multiple times of how Thor's my favourite, yes? <laughs> um, so the movie hurt my feelings um, in a very deep way. Um, I hated that First of all, the whole idea of like, oh, he's fat, so that's a joke. Oh, wow, you know, he let himself go. And like, you know, it's funny for like three minutes, but then you let it go on for like three hours. And that's, you know, it stops being funny really quickly for me. And it just bothered me. It bothered me a lot because I thought that it was out of character for him mm. um, to th th this entire like 
subplot, I felt, was completely out of character for Thor. Um, it was a very Thor Ragnarok-like take on his personality, which, yes, like, it worked within the context of that film, but then you extrapolate it and you just make it humor, and you lose sense of, like, the fact that this guy's, like, a god, you know? Like, he, like losing everything, like, yeah, like, would take it out of you, for sure, but just, like, I don't know, becoming a gamer bro, like, I'm... Uh, I don't know. I hated it. I hated it so much. And it, it because they, they started the movie that way. I was like, oh great, that's great. This film. <laughs> I did think um, that he was yeah. gonna like. I did think that by the end of the movie, he was gonna have like regained his composure somewhat. But it doesn't happen. Like same, yeah. But they didn't. Yeah, they didn't do it. But maybe it's because it's like for the, for the final battle and. He got like armored up, and he looked a bit like Odin when he, you know, when he got his armor on using the lightning. His beard. Oh yeah, his played beard was pretty cute. Like that was adorable. That's like yeah, as, as you say, Natalie, like, humanizing him a bit. I mean, the the fact that he's mm. yeah, he's like yeah, I don't want to be king. I never want to be king. It's not for me. And then he just goes, you know what? I'm going to hang around with the, the Guardians of the Galaxy, whether they want me on board or not. Uh, I'm yeah. just going to hang around and I'm going to bicker with Chris Pratt which if that is the next film that's going to get tedious that will get tedious <laughs> because it was starting to get tedious and I was like I'm watching those two like battling for supremacy for two hours don't sign mm. me sign me up for two hours I didn't mind it because I thought if this is the only if this is like the only scene where this is what happened enjoyed it as like a little throwback and a little bit of tension between them but yeah I don't want to I don't really want to see them continue doing that, but it was fine for that movie. Yeah, I don't want to see more of it. I was happy with, I was happy with the little snippet we mm. got. I don't want any more of it. Um, if they can find, if Chris Hemsworth wants to do more films and then shows up in the next Guardians film and and hangs around with those guys, then could be all right. Who knows? Uh, I think it's more likely that one of the first lines in that film will be, "We dropped Thor off on." Name of planet, and then he did stuff. Uh, that, that's probably what they're going to say. Andrew, what did you make of Thor? I, I like the the idea of what he had become um, as I, I, as as an extension of of like, where where they left him at the end, end of Infinity War. Well, just because because I think it seems implied that, that he he felt personally responsible for Thanos' victory because because he more than anybody had the opportunity to to actually kill him and and because of that he he left that uh, feeling like a failure and so decided to treat himself like one uh, which which seems to me was was why he ended up the, the way the way the way they did because because he because he's he's just given up he just 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 felt felt there wasn't any point making any efforts in in anything before. Yeah, and and I think that the part of his journey through like, the film was was like was realizing like that they, they they actually still does have purpose. and he still can be some use. Um, as he just just has to actually 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 believe believe that himself. But I'm just like I uh, jump uh, sorry, jumping for jumping forward a bit. Uh, one uh, moment I did I particularly liked when was. Was just like uh, uh, during the final battle and and getting to see him uh, see him dual wielding a uh, uh, Stor- uh, Stor- Stormbreaker and Mjolnir, which was just epic. Like the 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 pure impractical fantasy aesthetic of it all. Yeah, that was awesome. And 
I think that the moment that he kills Thanos at the start, like just by lopping his head off and just how empty he clearly feels after doing that because it's no victory at all because they can't win. There's no success there. All they've done is kill someone who's actually no longer a threat to them. So, yeah, there's, I think it works. I mean, it is played for laughs for the most part. I think um, Thor largely is, especially these days. Um, but yeah, I was, I was all good with it. I enjoyed what they did with him. Um, it was a very well-kept secret. Let's put it that way. No one had any idea that was coming. On to Thanos. I think we'll finish off on Thanos, which seems right. Um, I thought in this film he's very much a kind of an MCU villain in the sense that he's not like, you know, he doesn't have a lot to do in this film as such. But I think you fall back on what was established from him in the previous film. So I think it works as a kind of combined piece. And he was certainly threatening enough. Um, all the little bits where he just figures everything out is pretty cool. It kind of shows how smart he is. So it seemed like they leaned into his intelligence more than his power in this film, which I quite like. He looked like smaller, like. He looked smaller. I know. Just like, because you're just like, oh, like, what's the big deal? Thanos. Why? Well, what I know is, where did he get that t shirt from at the beginning? Was he wearing that under his armor the whole time? Or did he make that t-shirt? <laughs> Thanos in a t-shirt. That was something I thought I would never see. And you did ask this right after we'd seen it. Yeah. Well. yeah. Where did he Think get this for a while? <laughs> <laughs> and just like cooking, sprinkling some salt, like, you know, just, just Thanos things. <laughs> like salt bay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he bought the oh, farm. Some do make that. <laughs> Um, I, I don't mind where Thanos, like, the, the beginning um, of, like, you know, him, like, sort of knowing that that was inevitably going to be the end, etc. Um, and, and how that ends and stuff, like, for him and his character arc, that was fine. What bothered me, though, was past Thanos coming back and, like, having, like, this guy doesn't even know who these people are. And so the final battle is just kind of like, it's cool. It's super cool. And it's really impressive visually. And you get to see everybody come together and Avengers assemble and all of that. And that was like a fantastic moment. But this guy like has no idea who these people are and why like this matters. Well, and so like are, it just. Because he was told about them. At vaguely. The of Avengers. <laughs> Oh, yeah, sure, but, like, vaguely. Like, it's vague. Like, he doesn't have an emotional connection to any of this. Like, sure, like, being... But the, the thing is that, like, being told something and experiencing something is not the same thing, which is something I've said before in this same podcast. Um, and, and ultimately, like, a lot of the problems with this movie come from that. There's, like, a whole lot of telling and not enough showing, not enough experiencing something directly. Um I, I didn't like that Thanos, past Thanos came back. Um, I suppose we needed some sort of conflict. Otherwise, this whole thing would have just been solved with time travel super easily. And that would have been the movie. And it would have been 60 minutes long. And then that would have been it. Um, but it just, like, I don't know. It was it just like bringing back, like, the past version of someone who, like, doesn't know who you are. And does hasn't met you. Hasn't fought you before all of those things. It's just kind of like, okay, it's kind of like the same thing with like Loki escaping with the Tesseract. This is like the Loki who hasn't had the character development. So 
the next time we see him, if we see this version of Loki, he is not the guy who like finally learned to accept himself and the fact that his brother has accepted him. He doesn't know any of that. He's still the guy who like causes mischief because he feels like an outcast. So it's like, it's that same thing. Like Thanos had character development by having obtained the stones and having had to like give up Gamora and all these things. And so like the, the guy who comes at the end to like kill the Avengers, like he's just like evil villainous, like nonsensical Thanos who like, w- we haven't seen like his emotions. Like he hasn't like experienced a level. It's like, hmm? it's like, it's like resetting a level, like on a game or something. Like we, yeah, end up back. You end up back, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh god, I know exactly how this is gonna play out, but we have to go back because this is our last save point. I don't know. I'm just about like, mm hmm, mm-hmm. exactly that, exactly that. Yeah, I mean, I still enjoyed it though. Like, I have to. Be oh, for sure. Yeah, I had I had fun I watching it, but like... it's just like the more I think about it, the more I'm like, hmm. Yeah, just don't think about it. Just don't think about it. Just take it. Just do what I do. Just try and take it for like its face value and be like, all right, that's what it's offered. That's what it's given. And and because I like I said, I can't think about it because then you're like, well, it's all it's all it's all just rad. But then everything's mental. Everything's made up and everything's rad and everything's crazy (laughs) and it's all super contrived and it's like you know taken how many years to get here but you know it just has to be like I don't know yeah. maybe when I see it again I'm gonna be like what the fuck <laughs> but like right now yeah. I'm like yeah it was good but I'm not gonna I'm trying not to think about too much of it because then I'll just you know well, yeah. kind of hoping any of it if they, <laughs> the answer how Thanos knew who Tony Stark was specifically because that was a big thing in Infinity War um it doesn't really get answered, but um, and I had to think twice when it was like when he was like Avengers and he knew who they were, and I was like, "How does he know?" And then it was like, "Oh yeah, the post credit scene, Avengers is very good." Yeah. And he's got he's got like the stones, right? It's like so he knows what everything is. He doesn't. Not this no, Thanos. This is the Thanos who didn't what? get the stones. He doesn't know. Like he doesn't know anything. I'm you guys. Uh. <laughs> you don't know how much of uh, Nebula's memory he's watched. Maybe he's seen everything. Mm. Like so, he doesn't remember. I can't remember. So he gets to the future. Oh yeah, because he gets back to this future timeline. That's the alternate whatever. And he's like, "This is how I can get all the stones." That's right, right. And then obviously he doesn't. But yeah, it's yeah. weird. It was handy that they managed to see all Nebula's memories. They kind of melded past and future mm-hmm. Nebula together right. to be able to. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. Play all back. I found it really frustrating because, like, you don't know, you do kind of warm to who Nebula is, and then he's like, again. <laughs> well, it wasn't her fault. She didn't know it was going to happen. Well, I don't know. It's, it is interesting how they play that whole, like, wanting to please, like, the father figure. Like, it's interesting to see that. I don't know. Andrew, what do you think of Thanos in this film? Well, it was a little disappointing, like the what he became when the past version of him was was brought back, like to to become the the villain again. Because his his motivation in Infinity War, the the, the reasoning for, for his whole plan, what was incredibly short sighted, and I 
genuinely don't believe it would, it would have actually it would have actually actually work at all in the long run. Um, yeah, yeah, but you, you could understand why why I was thinking that. Whereas Thanos um, simply and and not being um uh, an, an, another another of of the generic MCU villains who who are all just like I I will I will destroy you all because reasons. Uh, just purely, purely, purely because that was what the plot needed to drive it, and he even even says so like, uh, uh, right uh, right before the, the final battle, like that, they, that he's going to enjoy destroying destroying the Earth because these people have um, have inconvenienced him for all of ten minutes, yeah, and it it didn't it didn't quite seem to tally like with with the other interpretation of him, like who was very calm, calm and measured in every decision that he made. Yes, I see what you mean there, and I do think that he's just a kind of standard Marvel villain in this film. But, I mean, I was able to attach everything that I knew about him based on the previous film. Um, And I think I enjoyed what he did in this film as well. I just, you know, I I mean, there's no no denying how much of a threat he was. You know, he was able to to face down pretty much every single one of the Avengers, one way or another, with or without stones. Um, I do think it's a bit weird that uh, after all the, the the Infinity Gauntlet stuff, it's a specially made piece of kit that can hold the stones, but one of Stark's iron gloves can, you know, can just hold them, no problem. Because he's a genius, he's a mad genius. Yeah, but he's not a like an, a dwarf with access to the heart of a dying star. Yeah, well, maybe that heart of a dying star is actually our... <laughs> Maybe in another uh, timeline. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that else was good. It was good to see Josh Brolin one more time in that role. I suppose out of the three or four times he's played it across however many years. Yeah. Um. I think we should wrap up there, lest we. Yes. Yeah. Lest we go on all night. So. Andrew, what are your final thoughts on Endgame, MCU, everything? Okay, well, my my, my final thoughts are that are, are, are one of the niggling points that, that I talked about uh, for the podcast. I guess I, 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 I still really enjoyed the film, and I, th- I thought like, it was a good combination of everything. And yeah, and I'll I'll probably go to see it again, like before it's out, out of the cinemas, sometime within the next year, then. Exactly yes, because <laughs> nothing else. I'd be, I'd be interested, like to to see how how everything everything holds up um, with with prior knowledge of of it, of like what of what's going to happen when you know when you know how how it all plays out, and 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 then see see and see if it actually actually does hold together. Yeah, Angus. I still think it's. Um pretty incredible cinematic achievement. I don't think there's been any other franchises like this that have done as much, covered as much, and spanned as many movies and years as this. And I think we've we've come a long way, all of us, probably, in the time since Iron Man came out. And it's been strange to look back at it and think of all that time that's gone by and all the films that this had to kind of sum up and uh, mm-hmm. finish off. Uh, I do think that there's a lot uh, you can kind of pick apart and nitpick and scrutinise and I think that I felt that way I mean the first time that I saw it I just really enjoyed it for a kind of overall experience the second time I saw it I did begin to 
come up with a few more questions about how some of this works or you know does it all hang together is it as satisfying but i still think it's a, a really good finale to the to this whole saga uh i think about the next phase that i don't know if i'm emotionally ready to dive straight back into uh, another sort of 22 film long saga and i kind of likened it to finishing a massive rpg game like fallout 3 and then just getting straight stuck into new vegas i just don't know if i if i'm ready for that right now but i think that is probably what's going to happen and i think that even from the very next set of films um they'll already be building towards something else because i think that they've seen how how well it's worked here and i can't imagine that they're not going to follow a similar formula by sowing some seeds um for uh the next 10 or 11 years so you're looking for a bit of a palate cleanser <laughs> yeah <laughs> natalie what do you think well okay i can talk about like i guess maybe so yeah i've only seen it once i do want to see it again though um i enjoyed it i did enjoy it and it is like this combination of all of these different things that i guess we've kind of grown up having watched and um our time and as a viewer but um yeah i can't can't think about too many of like some of the defects too much because it'll hurt my head and uh <laughs> and if things start not matching up i'm gonna be i don't know it's just a little bit frustrating so i just need to think about it you know on the surface uh i enjoyed it enjoyed it a lot um some really epic fight scenes like we've said in the past some of them can be really long like too long um but this one had some really fantastic uh battle scenes um as for like the next phase i haven't really thought about it at all like, i haven't given it any thought i've just kind of been thinking of this as like the end um that's why I was kind of taken aback when I saw like a Spider-Man trailer because I was like, spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, before the start of this one, I was like, all right. Um, hmm. Probably I'll watch some of them, but I don't know how, I don't know how it's going to, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to involve. I feel like, not that I'm done, but like, that it could, it could easily just end it there. But I know they're not. I don't. Yeah, but I'm gonna go see it again. That's for sure. So, and I'm hoping that I enjoy it. Uh, maybe even more than the first one. Oh, well, we'll see how that goes. Cat, uh, what are your final thoughts? Um, it's sad that this was it. Um, ultimately, I find it a very disappointing lackluster ending not in terms of visuals not in terms of you know the scope of it uh but in terms of story and that's always what i focus on because i'm a writer and that's that's always like my primary thing that i think of when i watch films and it was not a satisfactory way to end things a lot of things were left loose a lot of characters were not given the respect that they should have been. And I don't mean necessarily in terms of screen time, although that too, um, but just, you know, 
like like respecting their their story and their place within the MCU. And while, you know, Natalie does have a point about, you know, eh, don't think about it too much. The thing is that I've been thinking really deeply about the MCU for the last 10 years or so. And the fact that now the only way to enjoy this movie is to not think about it too much is really depressing. Um, oh, that is depressing. You know, so like, you know, like it's. It's fine, and I will watch it again, and maybe I'll appreciate some of it more upon a second watch. Um, but ultimately, I feel like the things that I really appreciated about the MCU uh, were kind of lost in this one, and it makes me really sad. But I suppose, you know, we don't have to like all movies. And while, you know, I really didn't like this one, I really loved Infinity War. And so... For me, you know, like, I'm happy kind of leaving it there narratively, to be honest. Um, it, more so than giving us this, like, weird epilogue. Um, yeah, I don't know. Question mark. The end. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, for my kind of final thoughts, I, I mean, I've seen it three times, and I'm still, you know, usually in a third viewing, I'm sitting there picking it apart, and Maybe I don't quite enjoy it as much as I did the first time, but on that third viewing, I was still right there like I was the first time, and um, that's not like me at all. Usually, uh, you know, I'm the king of diminishing returns. Like the more I look at something, the, the less I like it. It's just, you know, I remember loving the Dark Knight when I first saw it, and now I can almost not stand watching it. It's just diminished returns. I've just seen it that many times, but um, with this, I feel like I could watch it more and more and more, and. You know, that there are nitpicks, obviously, some of which I've had a lot of fun talking about this evening. I think it's it's just, it can be fun. It can be part of the experience. Just be like, hang on, that doesn't work. For what about this part and what about that part? But, you know, it, as a culmination of everything I've been watching for the past 10 years, as well as everything I've been reading since I learned to read, um, you know, the, the kind of, the callbacks to all of that that they've done, not just in this film, but in other films, been great. I mean, the... You know, seeing everyone that pretty much everybody that they've established come out of portals towards the end of the film to you know face down one major threat. You know the the Avengers in their entirety, even though these there's probably these poor Wakandans sitting up the back thinking, "Are we Avengers?" It's like, no, 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 it's just those guys at the front. We're just here to help. Um, and then you've got a bit of an Avengers relay race of them, you know, flying around with the Infinity Gauntlet trying to get it to a, a van. Which hmm. is you know, it's that kind of, yeah, it's the kind of celebration of the interconnectivity. You know, you've got all this, all these films, they've built them to such a way that they can, everybody can play together and it doesn't feel weird. I mean, can you imagine straight after watching the first Iron Man film, thinking about him fighting a giant purple titan? You know, you just, it's unthinkable at that point, but they've, they've brought us to that point in such a way that it doesn't feel weird, it just feels completely natural and... You've got, you know, Ant-Man cutting about, quipping in the same film that you've got um, these kind of end-of-the-world stakes. It's just crazy. I mean, it's crazy that they've managed to pull this off. You know, there's a lot of the things they say that you can't adapt into live action because it's impossible, and they've said that about Lord of the Rings. They've said that about the other things, the Dark Tower. Turns out they're still right. But, uh, you know, something on the scope of the MCU would have been unthinkable ten years ago even when they were thinking about doing it. So it's amazing that they've done it. And I think this film is a worthy conclusion, I guess is what I'm trying to say. 
at least to me. So, for Phase 4 and beyond, I'd quite like to see some more standalone stuff. Um, you know, Spider-Man Far From Home should kind of stand on its own a bit. I feel like they can maybe set up little things. Of more subdued team-ups would be nice. Little, smaller team-ups of, of different people. That would be cool. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy with what they're doing, and I'll continue to watch it. I guess that's what I've got to say. There we go. So, on that note, we should all return to our respective timelines, even though Natalie doesn't understand what that means. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, and get on with our lives. Uh, so, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, thank you for appearing and discussing this film. Yes, I have all... I, I... I I am I am now saluting and and, and falling backwards into into an or, or, orange spark circular portal. That's good, Angus. Thank you. Thank you. I am inevitable. <laughs> thank you. The end. And cat. Thank you. Thank you for Asgard. And <laughs> And I'm off to retrieve that bench from the bottom of the lake. So that was our discussion on Avengers Endgame. Thanks to YouTuber Neil Stenson for his excellent cover of Portals from the Avengers Endgame soundtrack. And to YouTuber Dagma for his excellent interpretation of the Avengers music. If you like what you heard, then snap that subscribe button on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, or any major podcasting app. iTunes users, please do take the time to leave us a star rating and comment. If you want to talk to us about Avengers Endgame any other film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or anything else, then hit us up on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave us a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. As always, we can be found fully restored on the next Neil Before Pod. <laughs>